Open. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning, four minutes past four. Darren's back with you tomorrow. It's Monday the 30th of March, so Cameron and Clegg going to take a little trip to visit the Queen today to kick off the start of the general election campaign. It'll be big, 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 big. All you've got to do is vote. It's not complicated. On the programme this morning, the Gale Chaos, which is going to last for a week. That's not Gale from Coronation Street. This is Gale sweeping the country. Not as bad yesterday as I thought it was going to be. Uh, feeding pigeons could become a criminal offence. Thank God. Thank God I'm sick to death of people feeding pigeons round our way. They can't even fly anymore. The Labour MP, Simon Danzuk, confesses to watching porn. That's the one with the attention-seeking wife, the very plain one. Jamie sticks the knife into Gordon Ramsay and Cheryl doesn't even make the top 100. I told you it was bad news for her. Her recording career practically gone down the swanee. But there again, of course, if you watched Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway, I didn't actually realise that the programme could get worse. They're fine... You know it's now becoming a bit of an act. You know that they're having to try twice as hard because they're getting on a bit. They're now pushing the 40s. And, uh, you know, to be like cheeky chaffy, it's kind of tough. And uh, that is patently obvious when you watch them sort of slowly walking down the stairs. I mean, very shortly, they'll have used a Stanner stair lift. But in fact, everything that they do on that programme is a rip-off from every other programme. Even the running down the stairs was nicked from another show. On television. You remember when Jeremy Beadle used to run down the stairs? Everything is nicked. There is nothing new on that programme at all. They've just recycled. And this week, uh, just when you thought you hadn't seen enough of her, up she comes again, Claire Balding. I mean, God in heaven, I thought she had a BBC contract. What they're doing allowing her to appear on a Saturday night programme. It just, you know, I thought she was going to take a rest from all of this kind of stuff. But no, still pushing herself out there. Perhaps the girlfriend doesn't want her home on a Saturday night anymore. I don't know. Who knows? We'll have to wait and find out. You know, that'll be the next big split, won't it? Oh, God, there'll be ructions everywhere. And then who else turned up? Professor Green. Dear God. I mean, he's about six foot seven. He's got tattoos up the side of his face. I mean, I've never seen anything so horrendous in my entire life. And he can, he's, he's barely monosyllabic. Barely monosyllabic. And uh, they said, oh, we're going to be helping you out at the end of the programme. And he went, no, yeah, that's what you think, mate. And all this kind of stuff. And I looked at him, I thought, he either looks like he's been eating too many pies or he's on the wrong programme. His street credibility has gone out the window. But then, of course, then there was the little Cheryl thing. And that died as well, I'm afraid. A bit like Cheryl's career. If her latest single has failed to even make the top 100, you know that you're really on the skids. And so uh, what Simon should do now is axe her from the X Factor. Axe her from the X Factor. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. If a programme is losing its audience, the one thing you have to do is, <coughs> is try and look at why. So we still laugh at all the silly people on there. We still go, ah, oh, when somebody goes, my granny was run over by a, you know, a concrete mixer. And, uh, and we laugh at them when they go, oh, you know, I'm singing this for my dead cat or whatever it happens to be. And we go, that's fine. And then you come to the judges and it's the same old, same old. You know, not one of them. I mean, listen, what on earth would you be asking Cheryl Cole for career guidance on when you can't even get your own career in order? You know, you know Cheryl, who has to do what she's told by the record company. OK, can you just show a bit more boob, dear? Uh, why, I, I'm Cheryl, you know, because I'm worth it and because I don't want to be sexualised. In the, get your clothes off. All right, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And so she does. And then moans about it afterwards. But there again, it's been proven. Latest single, disaster. 
So, kick her off the X Factor. Let her go back to doing L'Oreal or whatever it is she does best. You know, just standing there. As long as she doesn't open her mouth, we're fine. It's only when she opens her mouth and you get that dreary, dreadful Newcastle accent. Well, yeah, because I'm worth it. Trouble is, love, you're not worth it. That's the trouble. You don't contribute to the programme. You know, you've got to go. It's as simple as that. Go back to... I mean, I'm sure you can get a job doing... Could you, know, could you get a job at McDonald's or something like that? Could you stack... Sh- I'm not even sure she could stack shelves, really. But uh, if they've lost Dermot O'Dreary, then they might as well lose her as well. There was talk yesterday of losing poor Louis Walsh. But actually, he's the one with the track record. He's the one who managed Cheryl Cole, Vassini Versace Spagbol. He was the one who looked after her, her career and made her the person which she's turned out to be, which is vile. Vile. I mean, watching her on Out and Deck, you could see how fake it was. The trouble is, though, their, their sort of light is beginning to shine through that they're not quite up to it. They're really not hitting the nail on the head. You can tell that they go, you've got to come over as being young and, you know, bouncy and, and youthful and appeal to that, you know, yeah, because we're Out and Deck and all this. Kind of, but you just get the feeling it's looking a bit false now. It's looking a bit tired. I bet they go home and they go, oh, God, I couldn't go out tonight. Let's just get a takeaway. And that's how it, uh, that's how it works. Uh, then the BBC boss, Director General of the BBC, he apparently got a death threat which emerged from overseas. They say they think from overseas. Well, either it is from overseas or it's not. And so at the cost of a grand a day, which you're paying for, incidentally, uh, they've got in bodyguards. They've got in bodyguards. I can't quite understand it, but there you go. Perhaps, I mean, I didn't even know who he was. I've heard of the Director General of the BBC, but to be honest with you, they could parade him in a line-up for me and I wouldn't have the faintest idea who he was. Uh, then there was the story that we did yesterday on the programme that Jimmy Savile has been melted down at Madame Two Swords. He's too grisly to even put into the uh, Chamber of Horrors. And I said yesterday, well, there was never any chance that he was going to be going into the Chamber of Horrors anyway. They don't put paedophiles in there. These are these are murderers. These are people who've done, you know, the acid bath attacks and, you know, cut people. These are not paedophiles. There was never any chance that he was going to be there anyway. So I don't know why somebody came up with this ridiculous story that he's too he's too grisly and gruesome for the Chamber of Horrors. It was never an option. They don't put paedophiles in there. Otherwise, you know, the place would be overrun with it. Could move half the church in there, couldn't you, really? Because that's where most of the paedophiles seem to emanate from. Uh, Jamie Oliver stuck the knife into Gordon Ramsay. Uh, Jamie's promoting healthy eating uh, for children. And uh, he's got a book coming out. And I think he's got a record coming out, which is all very, very exciting. And so he's now saying, oh, that Gordon Ramsay's jealous of him. I don't know why. I can't quite work out this, this feud, whether it's done to just generate some sort of interest. Uh, or whether or not it's, it's done just because he's getting a bit desperate. Niall Horan... From One Direction, they're trying to deflect the fact that Zayn might or might not have slept with a Swedish girl. And uh, she said to his girlfriend via the newspapers, don't trust him, he's a liar, he's this and that. I mean, honestly, it's not looking good for poor, poor little Zayn Malik, is it? But Niall Horan's got a new girlfriend. And I thought, wow, that is really cool. He's got a girlie, which is good, isn't it? Because he's, uh, he's, he's quite sweet. And I think he's been out with girls before. I'm not too sure, but I'm sure he's had a, a girlfriend. Funny thing is, I mean, they've all had girlfriends. It's just you don't see them, do them, do you, very often. Harry Styles, they're always going, oh, you know, Harry Styles is going with this person. I've never seen him out with these people at all. There'll be a group of people. You never see Harry holding hands with anybody. I think because he realises that they're going to take advantage of him and uh, try and get some sort of publicity. So who do you think's claiming to go out with Niall Horan? Publicity-shy person. Really somebody who doesn't welcome publicity, isn't interested in publicity in any way, shape up... No, not Gemma Collins. I think she could possibly kill him. I think she'd only have to fall on him. No, 
the aforementioned on this program many times, Amy Willerton. Yes, Amy Willerton, the attend- uh, sorry, <laughs> well, well past her sell-by and has been, Amy Willerton, who claimed to have gone out with Joey Essex and uh, various other people. She's still dragging her weary carcass around, and this time she's latched onto poor Nile. He has no idea what's about to hit him. She's going to drag him round to every premiere. Niall, my advice is get in the car, put it in gear and drive very fast away from her. She's an attention seeker. She'll use you for publicity. She's not averse trying anything. OK, just be warned. I'm telling you now, you don't want to look silly. By the way, just in case proof were needed, when you see a picture of them together, she looks like his mother because she's a lot older and she looks older. And Niall is, you know, like jumpy around, sort of happy, baseball cap on backwards, whereas she's she's a bit past her sell-by now. She's never actually been a proper sort of model. She's just done a little bit. They stuck her on the uh, I'm a celebrity thing, get me out of here, and uh, people go, who is she? And the answer is she's nobody. Nobody at all. And so she's remained like that in her career. But now she's got to start finding people to hang around with to get more publicity. And poor Niall is just ripe for it. He's dumb, he's stupid, he's naive... He's blonde. He's in a very successful boy band. He's absolutely... I mean, I think she'd have gone for Zayn Malik if he'd been on the market. Mind you, give it about a week, he might be. Uh, Other stories, Jeremy Clarkson in talks with the two boys, they say, to hold another show. And um, the tribute to murdered hero Lee Rigby. That's uh, finally gone up in his hometown. I do like the idea, though, of feeding pigeons becoming a criminal offence. We have a couple of uh, mentaloids around our way who go around feeding pigeons. One of them is a barking mad woman who goes around in plastic shoes and sort of slipper kind of things. And she feeds them. She goes to uh, to Iceland and buys 20 loaves of bread. She buys bird seed and she trundles around with this stuff. She's She's screwy. I mean, she's completely off her trolley. And then she dumps it down by the riverbank. So when, when the pigeons go, I couldn't eat another thing, which is after about two minutes, because about ten other people have fed them, um, all the rats come out. I mean, she's too, she doesn't live around there. She's a bit thick. And uh, I thought she was dead a short while ago. Seriously, I thought she was, because she hadn't been around for ages. And then, lo and behold, we're talking about her, and she walks past the hairdresser. I go, oh, God, she's alive. Still feeding the pigeons. Perhaps they'll peck her to death one of these days. It's just dreadful. The mess that pigeons make. You know, the only good pigeon? Dead pigeon. OK? I'm an animal lover. Well, not when it comes to pigeons. The only good pigeon is under the wheel of my car. Or two wheels of my car, excuse me. Mm. Ah, I love a Monday morning. I love a Monday morning. Lewis Smith has done a story on Lucy Mecklenburg. You know, they're going out. Lucy of two, two words. Uh, because, I mean, she really is. I mean, when you remember her from TOWIE... Lucy was the one going out with Mario Falcone and she spent most of the most of the episodes in tears because she couldn't just In fact everybody cries. Have you noticed everybody cries on that programme? It's absolutely hilarious. Chloe Sims has cr- these are people over adult age. You know, Lauren Lauren what's her face? Uh, cried as well. Uh, Gemma Collins cries on a regular basis, but she's just pathetic. And uh, Arge Oh Arge turned up on uh, Anton Deck's Saturday night takeaway. Dear God, that's what it's come to, is it, really? Mind you, Karen Danzuk's with the same agency, the TOWIE agency. So uh, her, her career's going to go well, isn't it? Guest slot on something, they're going to go, who are you? That's that plain-looking woman. Very plain. 84850, steve at We should take all your texts and emails on the programme between now and 6.30. So anything that's on your mind, now's the chance to get it off, because this is where the world comes to listen. 
So, Cameron and Clegg are going to take a little trip to visit Her Majesty today, kicking off the start of the general election campaign. And so do we. Defence Secretary Michael Fallon, former Lib Dem leader Paddy Ashdown, Shadow Business Minister Chuck Amuna, and Deputy UKIP leader Paul Nuttall. Also, after the revelations about the co-pilot who flew a German Wings flight deliberately into a mountain, Nick will be asking, are you worried about the new measure to have more than two people in the cockpit at any time? Does it solve the problem? Personally, I don't think I should worry about it. Otherwise, you'd never fly again, would you, really? Gillian Joseph, Sky News presenter, will be joining Nick in the studio to do the paper review for today. Actually, next week, we move into our new studio, which I'm very excited about. Very, very excited about. I took some pictures of it the other day. Huge Huge. It's like the size of a basketball pitch. It's enormous. Uh, that's Nick Ferrari at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. They were, the, they were trying to come up with some sort of system the other day for making sure that if somebody was locked out of the cabin, they could get in again. And various people... I came up with something that I thought was fairly simple, which is you have two people on the flight deck... And before the flight takes off, you go, right, the door key number is going to be... So that only you two people know it, because it doesn't help if they're both terrorists, does it? But if, if you say uh, it's going to be 171. So in other words, if somebody goes outside and the other person has collapsed over the controls, you can push 171 and get back in again. But only you two know the number. OK, it only really works, I suppose, if, uh, you know, if you, if you trust the other person. Because you're always going to get this happening. Every so often, this will happen. Somebody will crash a plane. Somebody will take a plane. Somebody will hijack a plane. Somebody will have a heart attack. Something will happen, you know, in the distant future. It's not, maybe not this week, maybe not next year, the year after, year after that. But at some point, it will happen. And we have to do everything we can to prevent it. But if you start worrying about what's going to be going on in the sky, I mean, you'd never get, I mean, I don't know what I'd do. I th- I've thought about it on numerous occasions. I've thought that if I was sitting there eating my dinner and uh, a pilot came on and said, uh, we have taken control of this plane and we're going to crash it into whatever, what would I do? And I think the truth of the matter is you can't do anything. You might as well just finish your dinner and maybe send a text message to somebody saying, we've been hijacked, you know, miss everybody, love everybody, take care and leave it at that. That's the only thing. What else can you do? You can't storm the cabin. Might as well just sit there and go calmly because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be over very quickly. You know, as for those poor people on that flight, you know, it was over the moment that thing hit the ground, they were dead. There was no no sort of waiting till afterwards because it just hits at 500 miles an hour. So I have thought about it. But if you worried about it every time, you'd never get on another plane. Darren said earlier, you know, the simplest thing to do is cancel all flights. But that'll never happen, will it? You just have to trust people. You have to trust. You have to trust when you get on a on a plane that the pilot is compass mentis and safe to fly. And I've flown with all sorts of pilots, you know, but I never I never see them because you don't see them on aircraft now. Sometimes you go past and the door is open to the cockpit and you look in thinking, my God, it's like a it's just unbelievable. It's like a giant computer in there, isn't it? But I was always led to believe the things can fly themselves. So if you were a blind pilot, it wouldn't make the slightest difference. You could still fly the thing because it flies itself. You know, it can land itself. It can do everything. But you, you mustn't worry about it because there'll be thousands of you listening at the moment who are probably getting ready to take flights and to go abroad and to go on holiday or failing that, you work for the airline. And if you worried about it all the time, you'd never go anywhere, would you? You stand just as much chance of being knocked down crossing the road around Trafalgar Square as you do of sort of coming down in an aircraft. So best not to worry about it, I think. I don't think having two in the cabin is going to make any difference at all. You're either going to get on the plane or you're not going to get on the plane. I don't think I want to get anything from Malaysia. I'm not too sure about that one. The, the track record's not looking particularly brilliant, is it? Uh, so, um, what else do we have? Oh, we had a four-year-old in America who went shopping at three. At four in the morning, she gets up, 
Oh, no, she's four. She got up at three. And she, she puts her little coat on and her Wellington boots and she walks out the house and she crosses over two main roads. She gets on a bus because she wants, she wants one of those drinks which has got ice in it. And, and somebody said, well, she did that in the morning. Yeah, and the bus conductor said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to, I think she was, I forget what they call them now. It's oh, a slush puppy. She wanted a slush puppy or something like that. And uh, so the bus driver, wait, where are you going? I'm going to get a slush puppy. And he thought, I think not. I think we'll call the police. So, I mean, anything could have happened. And of course, the funny thing was, well, not funny at all, but as I'm watching, I'm thinking Madeleine McCann. I'm thinking Madeleine McCann. I'm thinking little girl gets out of bed, puts her coat on, goes over the road, gets on bus, nobody else on bus. Bus driver goes, no, who knows? We don't know, do we? This little girl did it in America. Luckily, the bus driver had the presence of mind. But Madeleine McCann could have got out, walked across the road, started walking down the road, stumbling through. Who knows? We do not know. We do not know. Um, So the Labour MP, Simon Danzuk, confesses to watching porn. I'm tempted to see, uh, I'm tempted to say, actually, we've all seen what the wife looks like, so perhaps a better option, I would think. Perhaps a slightly better option. They're slightly peculiar as a couple, I'm afraid. I'm not uh, not a big fan of them at all. Uh, and Elton and his mum, they fell out over Elton's former manager, who Elton took to court, and somebody else. And the, uh, the mother, who's quite clearly a bit feisty, uh, wanted to carry on seeing them, and Elton said, you will not see them, you're not seeing them. And so she did. And then it turns out she doesn't like David Furnish. Well, I can understand that. I shouldn't imagine he's everybody's cup of tea. And uh, being a mum, she was probably slightly disturbed that her, her boy had had various partners over the years. They'd always done very well. All of Elton John's boyfriends got presents. One got a Lamborghini, one got an ice cream parlour, one got an art gallery. They all get, he buys them presents. Because when you look like Elton John, you know, it's, it's best to kind of pay. It's easier that way. It saves you having to worry about, you know, am I good looking enough? You know, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who? Well, it's not me, is it? So that's how it works with Elton John. And so David Furnish sticks with him. Been together for ages. They've got the kids. Uh, David makes films. But the mother obviously doesn't like him at all. But famously, lots of other people have fallen out over the years. Lots of very famous. But Mel B and her sister fell out over something. And uh, who else was it? Oh, Ollie, Ollie Murs has not spoken to his twin brother for seven years. Seven years. They do not speak. And he's been on television. He said, oh, it's a shame. And it is a shame when people fall out and they don't talk anymore. That's it. And of course, the longer it goes, the more difficult it becomes to actually end it. I've always said, you know, I mean, I've sort of fallen out with people before now and you have to stop it quite quickly because if you don't, it goes on for so long, so long. And then you can't rein back in again. Somebody says, have you spoken to so-and-so? And I go, no. And they go, why? And I go, I don't know, because we're both too pig-headed, I suppose. It just takes one of you to go, sorry, and then it's all back on again. Makes it easier like that. But otherwise, you know, it, it can drag on for the rest of your life. You know, one of you can go to the grave and the other person really couldn't care less about it. <laughs> 84850, oh, steve Jenny, I don't know, but the new studio is something, something, it, it is like the Starship Enterprise. I promise you, it really is. It's just, it's fantastic. I wonder which LBC presenter is going to be the first one to tweet pictures of it, because it's so flash. Seriously, I keep taking people down there, people who work in this building, you know, people in radio, and you take them down there and they go, wow, looks really good. And it, it does, it looks fantastic. They, they work their little socks off to get it uh, up to speed. It's, it's huge. I mean, the actual control room is bigger than these two studios we're in at the moment. The actual... Uh, studio side of it, I mean, it's you, you could hold a basketball match in there. It's absolutely enormous. It's very nice. 
But I wonder whether or not anybody would be allowed to tweet pictures of it. I only say that because I took pictures myself the other day. <laughs> Rebecca says, I forgot the clocks had gone back in the UK, meaning I get an hour of at Steve Allen's show as I get ready for work in Dubai. What a nice surprise. Yes, there are still people walking around who have got no idea. Tourists that the clocks have gone forward. But there again, why would they Why would they think about that? The answer is they don't. They don't think about that at all. They just go, oh, look, it's lovely. Why is everything closing? And the answer is because we've all gone, uh, all gone forward a little bit. Uh, 84850, I'm a great animal lover and live in a rural area. A few weeks ago, my neighbour spotted a figure in the fields. He was dressed in camouflage, balaclava and holding a gun. We just hope he was shoot- shooting pigeons. Yeah, farmers had a lot of, have a lot of trouble with pigeons, don't they? And uh, all sorts of other things. Around London, I mean, I forget how many millions it costs to clean up pigeons every week, but it's uh, an ongoing thing. But uh, very shortly, it could become a criminal offence. Then you'll realise what the, what the loopy-loos look like in the world. When you, when you see pictures of the people who feed pigeons, they're mad, 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 mad. There's been a few in court before. There was one woman, she used to put so much birdseed around, her entire house was covered in pigeons. The next-door neighbours uh, took her to court, and she lost. Didn't stop her, because she's mental. She's got this thing that she's got to feed pigeons. She cannot not feed pigeons. I don't know why. She's got this inability to sort of realise that they cause immense damage, immense destruction, and it's just disgusting. So she carried on feeding them. And eventually, I think they took out an injunction against her. That didn't stop her. She carried on. And eventually, they had to put her in prison. I think even in prison, she was feeding them through the bars or something, because she became obsessed with feeding pigeons. I don't, I don't quite get it myself. I'd say the only good one's under the wheel of my uh, car, and, uh, and that's where it will stay. Uh, two-week rest from Loose Women, says Val. Yeah, just a shame, isn't it? Just as I've been anointed into the Loose Women book club, which is very good. And um, we, we shall have to uh, see how that other thing goes, won't we? I can't possibly mention it. Heavens above, I'm not taking people away from LBC. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, and uh, the weather for today, what's... Oh, I couldn't care less, actually. I just know that you've, you've, you've got a bad, a bad week, week and a half, something like that. And that's the that's the problem. But it's always Easter. I feel sorry for the showmen, the funfair people, because this is their the beginning of their season. And in fact, was it two years ago? Two years ago, I think, at Hampton Court, George Irving, who runs that site, uh, had to pull everything off. It's just that the ground was too waterlogged. Didn't make it pleasant. Didn't make it pleasant. Uh, the, oh, that's right. There was two things on here I wanted to mention to you. Firstly, about the Swede who romped with uh, Zayn Malik urged his pop star fiancé to dump him yesterday. This is Martina Olsen. Yes, Olsen. And uh, she's a woman who has sex and then sells story. What do we call women like that? Yes, I do as well. Anyway, and uh, she says that Perry should ditch him. I don't, there's something tacky about uh, Martina Olsen. I don't know whether or not Martina herself sees this, but, I mean, what sort of person goes with somebody, she claims, who she's met in a club... And they have, you know, rumpy, pumpy, blah, blah, whatever it is. And then sells the story to a paper. I mean, you know, and then writes to the girlfriend, you know, via the paper going, oh, you should dump him because he obviously loves me more. And you think to yourself, I mean, why would you want to do that to somebody? Why would you want to, you know, to do that to anybody at all? You know, if you knew anything about him, and you must have done to have gone with him in the first place, you must have known that he's got a girlfriend or a fiancé. And, um, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, uh, the Twitter trolls loyal to Zayn, because, you know, they, Zayn does no wrong. They've already started targeting Martina Olsen, because Martina Olsen, obviously coming from Sweden, 
but strangely enough, with an English tattoo underneath her arm, and she probably got about £15,000 for that story. That's what it was worth to her. I mean, it's a bit like prostitution, isn't it? It's like having sex with somebody and then selling the story afterwards. It's, it's a bit cheap and tarty and tacky. I don't agree with internet trolls at all, but they say she was, uh, she was lying about it. Well, I don't know. I wasn't there. The Sun newspaper obviously decided she was worth buying, so that's why they paid her about 15,000 quid. But uh, it's a bit cheap, isn't it? It's a bit of a cheap shot, you know, to then sort of, you know, do something or not, as the case may be, and then afterwards go and sell the story to a newspaper. Cheap, tacky little tart, I suppose some of you would be calling her. I wouldn't. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 29 minutes to five on Monday morning, and it's uh, Easter, and it is going to be wet, and it is going to be miserable, and it's going to be absolutely horrible, and I'm praying that it, it doesn't become that horrible, but I think it, uh, I think it will be. No, it's only a bit of water. You can cope with it. You can cope with it. It's not too bad. Uh, David Walliams, they call unhappy David Walliams. I've not seen him looking miserable once. Not seen him looking miserable. Every single picture he's been out there, either sticking his tongue into men's mouths or into their ears or wherever it is. And uh, they've said he's now flying around the world to distract himself with work after he split from Lara Stone. He didn't split. She walked out on him. He didn't split. She walked out on him. She quite clearly knows something we don't or there's something about it. I don't know. Comic David is going global. He's going to promote his children's books, which I should imagine was probably in the diary ages and ages ago. And... um, it's very interesting because he's also done a, a talk for a literary festival in London. Uh, host Connie Huck, good God, she's still going, uh, spoke about enjoying a family Christmas before his next festive special for the BBC, which will be based on his book Billionaire Boy. So uh, David revealed he'd been inspired to write a future book about Zayn Malik's shock departure from One Direction this week. But uh, it's, no, he, didn't, he didn't split with her. She walked out on him. She took the dog and the baby and, uh, and left. And that's it. And apparently isn't going back again. But we don't know why. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's our business. I don't think we should have to know why. You know, just because somebody's relationship goes pear-shaped, why should it make any difference to us? You know, he's, he's, got, to, he's got to deal with it. He must be the one who knows why it's gone pear-shaped. I don't know why it's gone pear-shaped. None of us know. You know, he, he might be, you know, desperately unfunny at home. He might be just desperately boring. He might only come to life, like a lot of comics, when he's playing to an audience where they clap and laugh and cheer and whoop and stuff like that. So I I sincerely hope that it probably is that. But we don't know. It might be something else. I I mean, I I really don't know. I wouldn't even like to hazard a guess. None of my business. Uh, Parents who let primary school kids play adult-rated video games will be reported to police for neglect. This will be interesting. Letters have been sent out after pupils said they'd played or viewed games, including Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto. I didn't realise what Grand Theft Auto was. I just thought it was a little computer game. It involves people shooting prostitutes. Were you aware of this? I had no idea. I'm so glad I don't do computer games. Apparently the head said such material could increase early sexualised behaviour. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Call Call of Duty is uh, another one. Uh, They are inappropriate... For children, and they've said if your child is allowed to have access to any games or products designed for 18 plus, we're advised to contact the police and children's social care as it is neglectful. So in other words, if your kid goes to school and say, my parents said to you and I'm still watching it and I'm still playing it, then the parents can be arrested. It's as simple as that. Campaigners, parents out loud said the schools were stepping outside the realm of what is acceptable. Well, I don't think it is at all. 
I mean, there are, we know that there are stupid parents out there. We've seen them on the Jeremy Kyle show. People who bring children into the world who've got no idea how the child arrived there. Found under a gooseberry leaf, I think, in many an occasion. They think it's an act of God, you know, and some toothless old hag is just about to give birth. Then the mother comes on, shouting all the F-words under the sun. And then the bloke sits there, because he's just come out of prison, so he's been introduced to the delights of the same-sex sex. And uh, the whole thing turns into a bit of a farce. And so these are the people who would allow children to play 18-rated games. Why? Because they come from those sort of families. You can't change it. That's the way it is. And, you know, whether or not the... And you can start, I could see the parents now. I could see exactly what sort of parents would allow their child to play Grand Theft Auto. I can, I can, I can pick them in a lineup. Mostly the parents would have tattoos. And that would be mother, father, sister, aunt, grandmother, grandfather. Everybody in the, in the family would have tattoos. They all eat chips, a lot of them are overweight, 90% of them smoke, and they're all going to be dead by the age of 55. There you go. Kind of sums up people who played those sort of games, don't they? I've never played them. I didn't, as I say, I didn't know until I checked earlier on exactly what Grand Theft Auto was. Somebody had mentioned to me ages ago that it was about, you know, uh, driving around, seeing a prostitute, and then shooting her. I didn't, I mean, I know, it doesn't quite work out for me either, but there you go. Perhaps some people like to watch those sort of games and play them. I think it gives you a little bit of a false sense of, of what of what you're supposed to be doing in your bedroom. In my day, you know, we'd be reading or, you know, colouring books or all sorts of things. Nowadays, nowadays, they're sort of accessing all sorts of dreadful things on the internet. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Les says, Judge Render 5.8 million. Don't be stupid. They've never had 5.8 million for any daytime shows on ITV. Never in a million years. Might be for the whole week. It's never daily, I'm afraid. That's a Saturday evening audience figure. There's no way that Judge Rinder gets anything like that at all. It's a shame, really, because he's, he's obviously trying. God knows he's very, very trying. And, uh, and just not very good. Just not very good, I'm afraid. But uh, no, no show, show has ever, ever had 5.8 million for daytime. They don't. Joe says, Tuppence a bag, feed the birds. When I heard the pigeon story, it reminded me of the bird lady in Mary Poppins. Loved it. But uh, yes, I mean, she was okay then. You know, it was all very pretty around the cathedral, the saints and apostles and all the rest of it. Nowadays, there's so many of these blasted pigeons everywhere that, you know, you could take literally mass gassing out. In fact, that's, that's, what, that's what we should do, actually. Elizabeth says, I'm becoming more and more anti-flying, but I have to fly for work, so I've got little choice. Flying today is no longer a pleasurable experience, and I do feel it's become more dangerous, despite statistics suggesting otherwise. It's safer than anything else. It's safer than driving a car. That's what they say. Safer than driving a car. So, I don't know. Or failing that, why don't they sort of put a toilet in the cockpit? And then the pilot doesn't... But sometimes the pilots like to come out and go down the line, don't they? Hello. Hello. Morning. Having a nice flight? Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. You know, do you think? Well, if he's out of it, who's flying the blooming thing? <laughs> and uh, Ollie says, your code solution is flawed. A terrorist could torture one of the pilots when they left the cabin to make them give the code up. Well, then I think at, at times like that, you just have to ignore them. And I'm afraid somebody's going to die on the outside, aren't they? I mean, there's, there's flaws in everything. You know, if truth be known, we might as well just not fly at all. Might as well just not fly. Uh, 84850 uk. they have a keypad already but the pilot locked the door overriding the keypad so it won't open well I think you should not have that I think actually the toilet in there I think the toilet in, in the cockpit could be fairly good or failing that equip them with little bags or something and then they could um, then they could sort of <coughs> excuse me <coughs> thank you then they could actually sort of go to the toilet without worrying about something they have them round uh, Leicester Square in the early hours of the morning so, uh, sadly not for ladies just for men 
They don't really cater for ladies going to the toilet. Perhaps they don't think that ladies want to go to the toilet when they leave a nightclub. But they do, of course. But they do. 84850, steve at So here's the story about Niall Horan and little, little attention-seeking Amy Willerton. Even the papers have said this unlikely pair started seeing each other behind closed doors. And then uh, shortly before, the Irishman... Isn't that racist? Does it matter where he's from? Uh, began preparations for the boy band's world tour. They were joined at his pad by several mutual pals, but the former Miss Universe was careful to make sure her visits went unseen. Ooh, unlike you, Amy. Unlike you, dear. I thought you're the one who sort of, you know, phones the press in advance. But, I mean, to be honest with you, darling, I mean, your days are numbered. And if this is the last desperate, desperate attempt to try and get some sort of publicity, it's not really worked. I mean, she has been attempting to forge an acting career in America, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't want to be rude, love. But frankly, they've got people like you. People like you are parking cars. And more interesting. You know, you're just sort of a little bit attention-seeking. And listen, listen, if it doesn't work for Kelly Brook, it's not going to work for you, is it? I, f- I mean, I feel a little bit sorry for you because it's, it must be... A, you must be getting a little bit desperate. Just a little bit desperate. But uh, eventually it'll happen. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Malcolm says, on Gogglebox, from the fam- there's a family from the northeast called Moffat. The daughter is about uh, the size of Gemma Collins and just as thick is now appearing in an ad telling her to remember to register to vote. That's the same girl who couldn't understand why people in Australia didn't fall off the earth because they're upside down. Well, of course, even worse, even worse is the fact the uh, Conservative Party are using uh, Lauren Goodyear. Lauren Goodger apparently is voting Conservative, and you look at her and you think, she's never voted before, she's only just registered to vote. I find it slightly disturbing that they're using people who are on the television, which isn't, you know, they're, they're maybe not the best people. Not the best people. And uh, Catherine says, not that I dislike... Um, and who was talking earlier on? Somebody was talking to, um, to Darren about... Was it West Wing? Was it... Oh, God, what a dull conversation. I couldn't believe it. The, the two both addicts of West Wing, quite clearly both addicts. And the bloke, is, in, in fact, what, the, the bloke who was on the phone obviously summed it up at one time. He said, there's, there's probably people getting really bored. I thought, yeah, I was really bored. I don't even know what it is. And, and the more I heard about it, the more I didn't want to know what it was. I thought, God, that sounds like you need to go out and get a life. Is it is it something set in real time? Is it one of those programmes which is real time kind of thing? Anyway, I'm listening to people who know everything about programmes like that, I'm afraid just, I just, mentally, I just go completely. Because I think, I'm not a fan of anything like that at all. Especially not American. If I was going to be a fan of something, I'd be a fan of something British. But I'd never bore people with it. I'd never tell people, you know, oh, I'm a fan of, in fact, I've never even seen West Wing. So that must, it's probably, probably in my favour, I should imagine. Or probably not. Uh, if you want to see Amber Rose in the flesh, you better start saving up. The curvy model who dated Kanye West is charging fans 40 quid to briefly meet her when she hits the shores next month. She's going to be using uh, the Playground Club in Liverpool and you can pay £20 to get into the club and you won't get anywhere near her. If you pay £40, then you can get near her. I don't even know who she is. Amber Rose. She's just some sort of model or something. And you've got to pay to go and meet her. Slightly dodgy, isn't it? An insider said she'll be sipping bottles of expensive champagne in the VIP area. Oh, dear. Amber's people are said to have booked the entire top floor of Liverpool's Hilton Hotel for her. Oh, is she? Are they trying to make out she's somebody really interesting? 
Oh, she's one of those who doesn't wear very many clothes. Oh, dear. Oh, we don't mean somebody who goes swimming, OK? We're talking about somebody who, you know... And so if you want, if you want to meet Amber Rose, £40, OK? I suggest it'd be easier to go and spend it on kebabs. You get a lot more fun out of the kebab than you will out of Amber Rose. And they booked the entire top floor of the Hilton in Liverpool. <laughs> Sorry, just putting the two words together, Hilton and Liverpool. Uh, 84850. Stuart says, we could feed pigeons with bread laced with baking soda. What was that lovely song that came out, you know? When we're poisoning pigeons in the park. Is that Amber Rose? Good God. She looks like some freak from Star Trek. Oh, oh, God. You'll be sick. Lord above. What is she? Why has she got no hair? Is Is she in the last stages of something? Or she just shaved it off? Has she? God, she's gross. Pay 40 quid for... Oh! Dear me, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, far be it from me to sort of comment on... Oh, sorry, that was a bit queasy then. Good Lord, what on earth is she? She looks like a reject from a reality show. Is she a porn star or something? Is she... Da- no? Oh, grief, even worse. Even worse, so she's... No, we can't even excuse her on those grounds. Dear me. How to be unattractive. Is that some bloke she's been going out with or something? Oh, dear. Oh, Lord. Wiz Khalifa. Amber Rose Bait. Oh, God in heaven. She's really odd. And pay 40 quid to meet that. I'd rather eat broken nails, ladies and gentlemen. I can't have any work. Mind you, it is up in Liverpool, so you've kind of only got yourselves to blame, haven't you? Really, if that's the ca- Good Lord, honestly. I'm so glad I'm educated on some of these things. Because otherwise I'd have no idea. No idea at all. There is, um... There's a lovely story of a vicar in... Where is it? Is it in Italy? And he's got a nice little congregation going. But anyway, he um, he won the lottery over there. He won about £7 million. And the congregation are suing him. Why? Because he bought the lottery ticket with money they donated. So they said it's our money. So they're suing him in Italy. They don't mess around. You know, give us our money or we'll cause a lot of trouble for you. And he's going, no, you're not having it. So they're, they're taking him to court. I feel a bit sorry for him, really. And whenever there's money involved, somebody somewhere gets a little bit, a little bit sort of agitated. And they go, no, that was our money. That was our money that you've used for doing this. And, and you've spent it and you've won the lottery, £7 million. Always, meets, always makes people a bit, little bit sort of funny, doesn't it? Whenever somebody wins money, you know, it's, it's, it, it sort of ruins it. I always feel a little bit, a little bit sad, actually. A little bit sad. On LBC... Morning, everybody. 13 minutes to 5. 8 for 84850. Steve at Don't you think it's slightly odd? There's um, a story in The Sun today about the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe, who must be nearing death, please God, he must be. He now apparently lulls himself to sleep watching slasher flicks at Broadmoor. They said he stares for hours at the Horror Channel, um, which is a channel dedicated to the dark side of entertainment. It became available on Freeview last month. And uh, a source said he sits on the edge of his bed watching it. It often goes right through to next morning. Now, I can't help feeling that if he's in Broadmoor and he's certifiably criminally insane and uh, he's rapidly getting very fat and fatter and his diabetes is getting worse, um, hopefully he'll die soon. But uh, why on earth would they allow him to watch things like that? Surely, as part of your rehab, as opposed to pumping you full of drugs, they would not let him have access to anything like that. He's serving 20 life sentences. I mean, so he's not coming out. He'll just die in there, hopefully soon. And um, he also watches other things. Broadmoor wouldn't comment. And I feel, I feel like saying, but, you know, is he really watching things like this? If it is, why have they not made that not available on his television? 
Well, you know, and just put through other things on there. Perhaps, you know, sort of Teletubbies or something interesting, something that might not inflame him. So he watches horror films all night. The man who murdered God knows how many women with a hammer. And they're allowing him to watch this kind of stuff. I can't believe it's true. I can't believe it's true. How would somebody let you watch things like that? You know, not, uh, not, not in the best possible taste at all. Not in the best possible taste at all. Um, here's the, uh, the lovely picture of Lee Rigby's four-year-old son paying tribute as this memorial has been unveiled to his murdered dad. Uh, little Jack looked on as the bronze drum and plaque were dedicated to the fusilier in his hometown. And uh, he laid flowers, which had a message on there going, uh, me and mummy miss and love you lots and lots. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that really sweet? And so uh, Lee gets a small compensation, as far as I'm concerned. Small compensation, uh, you know, a drum like that. They'd rather have had him back quite clearly. Um, a Brit has been hailed singer Neil Diamond's greatest fan. He spent a quarter of a million on his idol, Ian Graham. I've seen him in concerts across the world, and uh, I think first saw him in 71 in Blackpool. He's also uh, got a car number plate with NLD. Among his memorabilia, he's got singles, hundreds of albums, signed plectrums. He's got everything. He says he comes over as a really genuine guy. He's got a bit of a temper, I'm told. <laughs> I'm told he's got a bit of a temper on him. He likes things to be perfect. Actually, talking of number plates, there is a number plate they've just withdrawn. Uh, it's been banned. 1-5 Lamb. Why do you think? Because it spells Islam, and they say it may cause offence. A Muslim tried to buy one reading MY15LAM, but was blocked as it looked like My Islam. George Thompson of Five says, I guess there are fears people may use the plates to be offensive. The DVLA said plates can be withheld on grounds of racial or religious sensitivity. Who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought that somebody... I mean, I'm, sh I'm sure somebody must have thought by now that Islam would be fairly offensive to, uh, to different people. But, uh, it's, been, it's been around for ages and ages. Only now, I suppose, when it comes up for sale, do they go, no, we're going to withdraw that one. We'll give you something else instead. Isn't it funny how people are going to be offended by that? Um, uh, Dom says, me and Val had a bet who'd get a name check first. She won. Oh, right. How much was the bet? Was it a good bet? Uh, statistically, maybe safer to fly than drive. But it takes one major prang in a plane and it's game over for everybody, says James. Yes, I mean, statistically, the amount of planes that, that come down, you can literally count on one hand. It's not that, you know, it's not that big in the statistical sense. Uh, unfortunately, as you don't know when you get on a plane what sort of state of mind the pilot is in, you really can't tell. You know, it could be an absolute disaster waiting to happen out there, but you don't know. You really don't know. And they spend ages... Try to find things. I'm still wondering why they can't find the Malaysian flight. You would think in these days of modern technology and, you know, pinging and, and black box uh, recorders that they could find everything. But uh, the ocean is so deep and it's so wide and they have no idea at all where one of the Malaysian flights went. But they've had nine. Somebody asked a question earlier on to Darren, how many planes have come down through, uh, through pilots' negligence or pilots' uh, insistence on pushing the wrong button. Nine. Nine flights have come down. About, about 500 people, I think, have actually died. 500 people. But uh, the only good news is that it was, it was over quickly. What, what amazes me is they still haven't found the second flight box recorder from this German flight. Uh, and they've got to be careful because it's on a 45-degree angle on the mountain that every time they move, it sets the rocks 
rolling down there. So they don't know where it's gone to. So it could be further down. It's, it's, it's quite a big quite a big area that they're trying to cover. So they've got to be very careful. But it is the rocks that are falling down that are making it very difficult to find the second flight box recorder. That might give them some more clues. Might give them. At the moment, we're not too sure. We've, we've got sort of enough to know that the pilot did bang on the door, saying, good God, you know, open the door, open the door. Uh, a lot of people saying, if we all worried about it, Steve, as you've said, we wouldn't be flying. Yes, I, I agree with you. We shouldn't, we shouldn't worry about every single thing because, you know, on planes nowadays, they are safe. They are safe. They really are. I know it's a tin can with wings on it, but I've flown loads of times. I wouldn't have any hesitation at all in, in getting onto an aircraft. Uh, Len says, uh, hate pigeons, but when I lived in Edmonton in the early 70s, uh, the boyfriend of one of my neighbours thought his flash car was extra special. He would park it in a way that others couldn't park. Another neighbour got so cheesed off, uh, so one day he put two slices of bread on the roof. In five minutes, pigeons had repainted it. Yes, they do that, don't they, pigeons? We used to have a tree, which I used to park under in Isleworth, and the berries of it used to be very appealing to pigeons. So when pigeons decided to go to the toilet, it was purple, and it would cover the car. You could see cars that were absolutely covered. And, of course, the one thing you've got to do if you get any any pigeon stuff on your car is wash it off quickly because it contains uh, ammonia acids that will eat into your paintwork. Not exactly the most attractive thing, is it, in this day and age? What are you doing for for Easter? I mean, it's there for Christmas then, actually. What are you doing for Easter? Are people going away? They were saying it's going to be uh, dreadful. They were saying it's going to be absolutely dreadful out there. The weather and the trains are going to run slow. And it's not so good, actually. It's not so good. And I wonder how many people do actually go away for Easter. Or do they think to themselves, you know, I tell you what, if the weather's miserable, let's might as well stay here. Are you actually going to uh, achieve anything by going away? And the answer is some people love going away at Easter. Other people love um, all the Easter eggs and the chocolate. That's what kids think Easter is, don't they? They think it's just chocolate. They think it's just chocolate. That's all they do. They go, oh, it's Easter eggs, so it's chocolate. But uh, I got my brother coming over on, on Good Friday, so that's quite nice. I did, I did laugh at the little story in the uh, mirror today of Lewis Smith. That's uh, Lewis who takes dirty pictures and sends them to people on his telephone. Uh, 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 uh. And he's going out with Lucy Mecklenburg. Well, as we know, she can barely string two words together. He says, uh, I've tried to sweep Lucy off her feet. She was the one thing missing from my puzzle. What puzzle would that be, Poppet? What, what puzzle would that be? Well, they, they do talk rubbish, these people, don't they? And... Um, and so, Lewis Smith, he says, uh, we've been seeing each other for a few months, but it feels so easy. Yes, I think that kind of sums her up. I think that would be the words that, uh, you know, she's fallen in and out of relationships loads of times. And the truth of the matter is, she, she hasn't really got much to talk about. You know, she's a child. I think she's only, what is she, early 20s. I think she's sort of 23. And she hasn't lived. She hasn't, she's just been on the television. But she thinks she's incredibly intelligent. But she's not. When you watch her and when you listen to her speaking, you're, you're, you're looking at a, at a five-year-old. It's terribly, it's terribly disappointing because the, we, we give all these people credibility and we put them in the newspapers and we, we hold them up as if they're interesting. And then you saw poor James Argent with his little tiny bit, which he probably got, you know, 250 quid for, for appearing on Ant and Deck because the budget's been slashed. So Professor Green on there, who, I mean, luckily I turned the programme off because the moment it sort of got trailed that Claire Balding was on, much as I adore Claire Balding. I mean, I really do. I love Claire Baldy. I was thinking, the moment she appeared, I thought, what on earth are you doing on this programme? Where's your credibility? Where's your credibility gone? You're Claire Balding. 
You're an intelligent woman. It's all right for Cheryl Vassini Versace Spagbol to do it because she's trying to sell a record, but it didn't work, did it? Didn't even enter the top 100, ladies and gentlemen. There's a career that must be finished. Simon now has the ammunition he needs to ditch her. If he's ditched, you know, the other one, then why not ditch her as well? She doesn't contribute to the programme. I can't even remember who else is on the show. The Simon, Cheryl Spagbol, Louis Walsh, who's on oh, the Spice Girl one, isn't it? Mel B. Oh, I think you could lose Mel B. I mean, I do quite like her, but she's, you know, they've tried to feminise her, and it's not worth. You cannot fem. They've tried everything. They've done her hair big. They put her in lovely frocks. She looks like a Russian weightlifter. You know, there's. N- I feel sorry for her. Because she was the one in the Spice Girls who did look the butchest. And, of course, you know, when you look at her private life, you know, we have had ladies coming out and telling stories of what she's really like. And so I watch her on the programme and... It's just not very good. You know, I, I don't know who I would put on there. It's, it's, a, it's, an open, it's an open canvas as far as I'm concerned. When you look at the people on there... I mean, Simon would be good, except the fact he can't... Oh, his face... Oh, he's so Botox. So he like that, and then he has to throw it to Louis. Louis, of course, has glazed over. He's in another world completely, a world of leprechauns and pots of gold at the end of the rainbow. And hey, and that's about it. He doesn't know where he is. They have to sort of prod him under the desk. I believe there's somebody under the desk with sort of like a prodding fork. And they go, uh, Louis coming to you. And they prod him with the fork. Yeah. Uh, you really nailed that song. You made it. You're, you're going to be a big star. And then... And off he goes again. But uh, Cheryl Versace, Vassini, Spagbol, I don't know what she contributes. She can't even get her own career in order and on course. And she's trying to warn other people and sort of and advise, not warn them, she's trying to advise other people on what they should be doing. And, of course, she's in no position at all. Who would I put on there? That is a really tough question. I don't know who I'd put on there. The trouble is, if you put somebody on who's an established singer, they've got to be rude to people. It's no good sitting there being very nice to them because that's just tedious. We can all be nice to people and go, oh, you're really lovely looking. You've really got a load of talent. Whereas secretly you're thinking, my God, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And so in the case of, of the panel, they've got to be more hard hitting. Whereas you get the impression, looking at Cheryl Spagbol, that she spends most of her time in hair and makeup. Well, her hair's elsewhere when it's being done, but I mean, you know, that's what you get the impression she's there for. She's there as, as a little something a little bit pretty, but she doesn't contribute anything to the show. In fact, I don't think anybody apart from Simon contributes, or failing that, the lacklustre contestants. That's what makes us watch the programme, because you know that there's going to be that family like the Chorners, that disgustingly fat, overweight, gross family who've been kicked out of more houses and I've had hot dinners. Horrible family. And they put them on there because they're trying to fill it up with stupid people. Unfortunately, it gives them false hope and they believe that they're talented, which they're not. Outrage over the French plot to move the migrant camps to Kent. They'll be thrilled in Kent, won't they? Not. The gale's chaos to last for a week. The killer co-pilot, apparently, according to reports coming from a German magazine called Bilt, his uh, girlfriend is pregnant with his child. It sounds a little bit sick, doesn't it, really? Zoella has been accused over the sugar adverts. Apparently, in an effort to rake in as much money, she'll run adverts for just about anybody. The Jihadi Bride School is the centre of a terror probe. And you wait till I tell you about one of the fathers in a moment. Labour MP Simon Danzuk confesses to watching porn. And uh, the fired chef who posted fake TripAdvisor reviews. Ooh, I'll tell you that story. That's a goodie. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Woman. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. 
Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Well, you're pretty nice to be company. It's Monday, the 30th of March. It kicks off today. Electioneering starts big time. And so uh, Clegan Cameron will be going off to see Her Majesty the Queen uh, with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning. There's a whole ram... Ram gamut of ram gamut, uh, a whole gamut of uh, guests who are going to be appearing with Nick from seven o'clock this morning. Driving into a retail park after six p.m. is now illegal. The chef who posted fake TripAdvisor reviews has been fired. Oh, he was a fool. He was a fool. Poor Cheryl Fernandez Vecini Spagbol has failed to make the top one hundred of the new singles. The four-year-old who went shopping at three a.m. and why we love a silly filly. All of that this morning on Steve Allen's early breakfast. The other thing is, uh, celebrating her birthday yesterday was uh, Nikki Sanderson. And, of course, she went out there uh, with her friend. I assume there's more than two of them turned up. Nikki Sanderson is now 31, but they all dress and behave as if they're about 18. And uh, she was having a birthday bash in Manchester. She's in Hollyoaks now, so you might not have heard of her. And uh, she was out uh, by by a bar called uh, Panacea Nightclub, which is lovely. She was joined by co-star Stephanie Waring who's wearing a crop top, and she's 37. There's something a bit naff about... I mean, to be honest with you, when, when I looked at a picture, I thought perhaps they were going to say she was about 18. But she's 37, so Stephanie wearing. But the, the crop top, not really appropriate for somebody of your age. Not really appropriate. You know, I'm just being, being polite about it. No point in being rude, is there? Really? Uh, Amanda Holden has revealed she has to wear nipple covers on television as hers stick out too much. That you kind of think sometimes there's too much information around in the world. And that would be the too much information around in the world at the moment, I think. Not the first time we said... I saw somebody... Remember I saw somebody the other day reading the news on London Live. Bit of an achievement in itself as I look on it as sort of television, which is only one up from hospital radio broadcasting, and they've stuck them on television. Most of them look a bit surprised to be there, to be honest with you. And they had this uh, this woman on there, and I remember thinking, I think we should really be using covers or something like that. Didn't quite look right. Didn't quite look right. But never mind. You know, perhaps we're not supposed to be concentrating on things like that. Uh, Rochelle Humes, that's the one who's got a voice like that. You've ever heard Rochelle talking? She's got, she sounds like a truck driver. And uh, she's launched clothes. I don't think she's ever designed anything in her life. She can't have done. Um, and um, she says clothes to flatter and help women feel good. Have you noticed they all come up with this garbage lines that they've been given by the by the fashion companies? And they go, okay, so try try and sell some clothes for us because if you don't, we're going to drop you next time round. <laughs> they get a bit worried about it. So I think they do. Say, do you like this in red? Yeah, that's nice in red. And then they call it their collection, which is quite sweet, isn't it? Really, quite sweet. Uh, here's a man who has uh, a seventeen thousand pound Harley. He's got a, a five-bedroom home in Florida, which, frankly, could be worth about £300,000. It's certainly not worth a great deal. This is a guy called Nick Sayer. Uh, Nick Sayer uh, has your pension secrets. Highly sensitive details of the pension pots of millions, sold for as little as 5p. And uh, they use all sorts of tricks to get your details. So if any of these apply to you, be warned. Uh, will writing... Will writing. Pensioners are often targeted by callers who offer will writing advice on the cheap. It's often a ploy to gain your trust and access as many personal details, including your finances, as possible. They then try and sell high risk investments as add ons. Charity surveys. Have you seen these ones on the street? The latest one from the Chuggers. Don't ever give money to Chuggers. Okay, you want to give money to a charity? You give it direct. These people are earning £10 an hour minimum. People flogging coffee in Starbucks are only getting about £6 something an hour. So don't ever give to chuggers on the streets. 
don't ever, you know, begging on the street should be illegal. Why the police haven't clamped down on this, I've got no idea. But the latest one is, oh, I don't want any money. We're just looking for your phone number. Of course they are. They want your phone number and they want details. So be very careful, very careful. Because once you've actually paid, you know, some money over to a charity, they will pass your details on to another charity because you'll be seen as an easy target. Uh, Validating your details. How many times do you get that on the internet? You know, marketing firms call customers of a major brand and claim they need to validate the details. We're just just checking on what we're holding online. Um, The last four numbers of your credit card are, because they might have the last four numbers, they don't have the rest of them. Be very careful. I keep getting one online which goes, uh, we just need to verify your Twitter account. So I keep writing back a rude word and sending it to them, thinking it might keep them amused. Um, uh, Shares with your financial details on file. Some cold-calling companies use those. And prizes. You know, when they say, oh, we've actually got it, we're holding a prize for you. I get it constantly. At home on the computer, it doesn't actually make it onto the main computer. It just goes into the, uh, into the, into the junk box. But I get things going, you know, you, you won a prize. I wonder if I could find one this morning, which I, I got a bit excited about. I thought, oh, I won a prize. And, uh, of course, it turns out you haven't actually won a prize at all. Um, there was one I got the other day. If I was... Um, if I was a, a Liverpool or Man United fan, which of course I wasn't, which I wasn't, and uh, and I was trying to find the one that's on the other day, but it, it basically said I've actually won a prize, and I, I got a bit excited, but then I thought, no, you haven't won a prize at all, Steve. You haven't won a prize at all. They're, they're just there. We go. There was this one. You probably get these ones at all. Four thousand eight hundred and sixty-five pounds is still waiting in your name. It's for the accident you had! Exclamation mark. Because work on the assumption, all right, so I know I haven't had an accident. You know I've not had an accident. But out of the millions of these that they actually send out, somebody will have had an accident. And they'll go, oh, right, to claim as soon as possible, fill out the form at calculatemyclaim.so forward slash. And that means immediately they've got details of you. So the advice is delete. Delete as quickly as possible. Because the, the, these sort of things are just, uh, are just designed to take... Um, to take all your money and your home off you eventually. So you've got to be very careful, very, very careful. If anybody comes to you and says, listen, hello, it's the bank. You know, we just need to verify some details. No, they don't. And no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't give anything at all away to them. Hmm. There was a story that got tucked away in one of the papers the other day, which I thought was, I thought it was slightly odd. This appeared in the Sun newspaper. You know, after the the three girls disappeared from that school in London uh, and ended up in Syria, and then we had the parents on the... Te- you remember the story? We had the parents on the television blaming the police. They couldn't actually... They were so dumb, they couldn't actually blame themselves for the fact that they didn't know that their daughters had, uh, had run away. One person in particular appeared in the House of Commons. He was uh, Hussein Abbasi. His uh, daughter, Amira Abbasi was photographed at Gatwick Airport. And he was on television slamming the police and saying this and people didn't do enough. It turns out, it turns out that Mr Abbasi is actually caught on camera chanting at the front of a notorious protest at the US Embassy in London in 2012. He joined a hate raddy with Anjam Chowdhury and Lee Rigby's killer, Michael Adebowale. Footage has emerged of him... On the march, chanting, he marched alongside extremists and burnt US flags and carried jihadi ones. The video shows his face twisted in anger behind a banner reading, The followers of Mohammed will conquer America. 
This is the, the man who blamed police for placing a heavy burden on his daughter. The police had to apologise to him. I suggest now maybe it's his turn to apologise to us. Isn't that, that, that was tucked away in the papers. I was amazed, actually, at, at how, how small the item was. Uh, she fled the UK with her friends, uh, Shamina Begum and Khadiza Sultana, to become jihadi brides. Good. Stay over there, as far as I'm concerned. Couldn't care less. Don't want him back. Don't want to see him ever again. You know, cancel the passports. You turn up back in this country. No, thank you. We don't want people like you here. In fact, we'd rather you took your father and the rest of the family too. Do us all a favour. I'm getting so bored with this kind of stuff. It just drives me mad at the moment. Just drives me mad. There's better things to worry about. But perhaps we can spend more money, can't we, on trying to root out these uh, these people. And um, and that would be an awful lot better if we did. And then maybe scale down the Madeleine McCann. Uh, which would be easier. Uh, 84850. Uh, somebody says, uh, Sherry is better than you. Sherry who? Oh, Cheryl. Oh, you think she's called Sherry? No, she's not. She's not. She's Chav. She's Chav. You know she's Chav. I know she's Chav. She knows she's Chav. She comes from... Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, to be honest with you, when, when you say Sherry is better than me, do you mean the drink? Probably mean that you can't spell either way, but it doesn't matter. It's very sweet of you to make a contribution. Uh, Steve, X Factor judges, Lulu and Rebecca Ferguson. Um, yeah, the trouble is they've got to be honest. And I think Lulu would have to, because she's nice. I think secretly you could probably say, say to Lulu, look, they're really rubbish, and she'd go... They are, yeah, they're absolute rubbish. But she wouldn't say it on television because that would that would spoil her image. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, she might be, she might be. See, originally when Mel B went on there, I thought she was going to be really good and feisty, and she's turned out not to be really good and feisty. Occasionally, she has little little sort of uh, exposures of something that might border on a personality, but most of the time it's just a bit wet and drippy because otherwise you're seen as nasty. Whereas in fact, why don't see why don't they put on? Somebody from Strictly Come Dancing. See, one of, Craig Revell Horwood could be very good on that. Because let's face it, he's just about as qualified as, uh, as Sherry. <laughs> Sherry. <laughs> Sherry Spagbol. Yeah, just as qualified. He could sit there and be brutally honest with them and go, listen, darling, you can't sing. You can't hold a note. He should know. He's been in musicals. Whereas Cheryl, I mean, is so auto-tuned to within an inch of her life. There's no point, is there? What's the point of putting her on there, offering advice, when she can't, she can't even apply it to herself? So that's what I think would be the best thing to do. I think the best thing to do, try and find somebody a little bit more feisty. And why it can't be somebody like him, I don't know. I think he'd be really good. Time check for you. I know you worry about it being a Monday morning and you've got to get off to work and you don't really want to go. Nick Ferrari and the team, so David Cameron and Nick Clegg are going to take a little trip to visit the Queen today, kicking off the start of the general election campaign. And so do we. The Defence Secretary Michael Fallon, the former Lib Dem leader Paddy Ashdown, Shadow Business Minister Chucker Amuna, and the Deputy UKIP leader Paul Nuttall. Also after the revelations about the co-pilot who flew the German wings flight deliberately into the mountain, Nick will be asking, are you worried about the new measures to have more than two people in the cockpit at any one time. Does it solve the problem? Looking at the papers today, Gillian Joseph, the Sky News presenter. That's Nick Ferrari and Breakfast. Just after seven, which is after the morning news, with Lisa Aziz. They, I was just reading uh, just a second ago, just while I was listening to, uh, to Jay Louise during the travel. Nice to see her back as well in the building. Uh, reading about the, uh, the chilling words of the crash co-pilot before telling the captain he could leave the cockpit. Uh, and the and the pilot trying to get back in again and then trying to smash the door down when he realised that the plane was going into a dive and when he realised that there was just no hope and he's, he's shouting, pull up, pull up, pull up, which, of course, was uh, absolutely, you know, they were moments from death. 
So bad was the um, impact at 500 miles an hour, as you can imagine. Not one complete body has been found. Not one out of the 156 people on board the aircraft. Not one body has been found. You know, there's a collection of shoes and clothing, and that's why it's very difficult. They've had to, they're building a road out there. Oddly enough, oddly enough, the girlfriend of the, uh, of the co-pilot, Andreas Lubitz, who has announced that she may be pregnant. Uh, no, sorry, he, he, the girlfriend of uh, Andreas Lubitz may be pregnant. Uh, her name's Catherine Goldback. She planned to marry him, but she was also said to have travelled to the scene of the crash, OK, only to arrive and discover he was the perpetrator of the disaster. She went out to the scene at what for? Did she know people on the flight? I don't know. She told the pupils that she was pregnant. Uh, the pair met as teenagers while working together at Burger King. They moved together and shared a flat. They intended to marry, but his constant demands and desire to be in control meant that by the time of the crash, she was looking to end their relationship. But, um, but she's now claimed that she's pregnant. Dear. I don't quite like the sound of that, I'm afraid. Uh, that story is in uh, a lot of the papers today. There's also the sad story about Peaches Geldof's home, where she was found dead, because, as you remember, she'd carried on taking uh, heroin again, having sat on television and said that she didn't do things like that, and she was getting herself back in order again. She was lying through her teeth, as most addicts do. She was back on the heroin and was found, uh, I think, with a needle in her arm. But the house where she died has been abandoned. Nobody's, nobody appears to have been there. Uh, the prams are outside the home. The garden furniture and the kids' toys are all in the garden. It's all very sad. Nobody's been back there at all because the husband who found her uh, doesn't want to go back there. I don't know who actually owns it. Uh, it's not up for sale, as far as I know. I would think, actually, the best thing to do would, would be to put it up for sale. You can't just have it sitting there because it's going to attract all sorts... Now people know that it's empty. It's going to attract all sorts of ghoul hunters. And it wouldn't surprise me if in a week's time you read a story that the house has been broken into and somebody has stolen things from it. So I mean, they, need to, they need to sort something out there and they need to sort it out quickly because now the press have identified the fact that this uh, multi-million pound house is, uh, is sitting there empty. It's going to be a target, isn't it, for, for ghoul hunters and stuff like that. Uh, the super rich apparently uh, now have the latest accoutrement. And what is it? They have a dog. Now they have a nanny for the dog. Apparently, if you're super rich now, your dog has its own nanny. Dog nannies, uh, just in case you want to know what one of them is, a dog nanny takes the pet for a walks, uh, for walks or to the vets, or stay as live-in pet carers. Nina Cole, founder of Nina's Nannies for Pets, said she was constantly recruiting more live-in sitters to cope with demand. You know, people fly around the world to look after other people's pooches. And um, some live-in dog nannies can earn up to 50000 a year for a 50-hour week. 50000 a year for walking a dog? Wow, this is good money. One dog nanny told The Times her role was like having a full-time live-in governess to cater for the whims of your dog and revealed her clients has bought their dogs two diamond-studded collars each Wow. Isn't that amazing? So, dog... Mind you, I'm not surprised. Nothing nothing surprises me ever in this day and age. Uh, there's also the little boy we featured on the programme. This is Michael McBride. He can count in five languages, do his 14 times table, and he's only three years old. He's got an IQ of 145, because he obviously just likes doing things, 
like that. Yeah, I remember Ruth Lawrence when she got into, was it Oxford? I think at the age of something like 12, it turned out her father was a maths tutor, so it was instilled in her from an early age. But this boy does it in five different languages. Good for him. He's very clever. He's a very clever boy at three. Let's hope it continues. I'm sure it will. Uh, Bob says, I know of a, a vulnerable elderly woman who entered a number of these charity draws that arrived through the post. She's clearly gone on some kind of centralised list because she's inundated with these things now and also gets phoned multiple times a day by charities to the extent it's distressing. It won't be the charities who are calling, Bob. It'll be a calling centre. It'll be a calling centre who will be there. They'll have her number. You see, the one thing, if you want to stop these cold callings, get an answer phone. It's as simple as that, ladies and gentlemen. I can't, you know, and from as little as something like, I don't know, probably an Argus, you could probably get one for about 20 quid, an answer phone. And all you do is you you have the answer phone on, your phone rings, and then you can hear your phone going, you know, I'm not in at the moment. Just don't don't even have your voice on it, somebody else's. Nine out of ten times, the call centre will not leave a message on an answer phone. In fact, they won't leave a message at all. The moment they hear it's an answer phone, click, they've gone. But if it's your friends, then they'll go... Oh, hello, Mary. It's June. And you pick up the phone and go, hello. And that's it. Problem solved. You don't ever need to have cold calling ever again. So if you've got a mummy or a daddy or a nana or a granddad and they get plagued with it, buy them an answer phone. For as little as about 20 quid, we can solve that problem immediately. Immediately. Helen says the easy answer is to ask the cold caller for details in their own bank account and say, yes, please. I'd like you to send me a lot of money. I I mean, some people like talking to them and winding them up. I personally think you shouldn't even enter it. They're not supposed to cold call. It's illegal. It's illegal. That's why a lot of them do it from from outside of the United Kingdom. They do it from outside the United Kingdom. Uh, so who could be the X Factor judges? Uh, Meatloaf or Sharon Osbourne? Oh, I don't know. You're so money supermarket. Uh, Sharon could be good, but she's got to be she's got to be feisty. Uh, and Meatloaf. Not particularly I think you have to keep him away from the booze and he might be a little bit better. He's, he sometimes falls off the wagon, sometimes with disastrous consequences. Uh, Noreen says, don't those emails telling you you've won or entitled to claim money drive you mad? We get so many. All go straight into the junk. She says, and I believe on Good Friday you're on till 7am. I am. I am on till 7am. Off to pick up our friend's grandchildren in Luton soon. She says, I feel a McDonald's is imminent. They love the bacon baps and hash browns. I think only since McDonald's arrived did people realise what hash browns were. They were, ooh, lovely. Love hash browns. They did a burger once, didn't they, which had the hash brown built into it. Well, that was quite nice. That was quite nice. Uh, 84850, Sue says, Happy Easter. Do you think people realise what Easter is? Do you think people know? Or do they think it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's chocolate eggs, isn't it? And bunnies and, and rabbits and Easter eggs with Smarties in and stuff like that. I think that's what most people think Easter is. I don't think they think about the religious connotation at all. I don't think people think about that. You have to, you have to try and explain to people what Easter is. Uh, the major flaws. There's a mirror investigation in the, uh, the murder hunt. Who, uh, who gunned down... Jill Dando, we seem to be nowhere near, so they questioned, apparently, Cliff Richard and Jeremy Paxman uh, to find out what she was like, who were her friends, who were the, the people she hung around with. They've still never never managed it, have they? But apparently the Serbian Mafia, the IRA and London's gangland had Jill in their sights. Why? Oh, what, because she did Crime Watch? Why would that be? Honestly, these people are just reporters. They're just reporters. Doesn't make any difference, does it? And yet... 
you know, they say that the mafia, the Serbian mafia, the IRA and London's gangland had Jill in their sights because she did a programme which was sort of... But I thought that's the whole idea was it's some sort of game, isn't it? It's like otherwise every single police officer would be in their sights as well. Elton John has opened his Las Vegas show. You know, he's big in, big, big in Vegas. He does his red piano tour. And because his, uh, his, uh, his mother has now fanned their bitter family feud. In fact, it's got worse today because there's a two-page spread in one of the papers done by David Wigg interviewing his mother on why she doesn't talk to Elton anymore. So Elton opens his Las Vegas show with the bitches back. Uh, he doesn't uh, open with his normal number, and it's got those lines on, you know, because I'm, I'm, I can bitch because I'm better than you, it's the way I move, the things that I do, bitch, 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 the bitch is back. And, uh, in fact, I used to use it as my theme tune some years ago on LBC, about, about 15 years ago, no, less than 15 years, about 12 years ago, we used to use that as well. You know, because people say, you're very bitchy on the programme. I say, no, I'm just telling the truth. And so now Elton John and his mum, she's 90. I hate it when people fall out. I, f- I find it deeply depressing, <laughs> deeply depressing. But obviously it shows no sign of getting better. And if anything, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Because uh, now there's a double page spread with David Wigg. Oh, look, nice picture of Ed Shearing with Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver likes hanging around with, uh, with musicians. I think he sees himself as a, as a failed musician. And so he's out there, you know, doing his bit. I think they've co-written a song together. Ed Sheeran, we think, has got a new girlfriend. He lost the last one. Well, he didn't lose her. They just sort of finished. And I think the latest one is a Victoria's Secrets model. Because she won't be desperate for publicity, will she? Much. Uh, Daily Star today. They're talking about the, uh, the BBC boss Tony Hall has hired bodyguards after vile death threats. One. One death threat. And it came from abroad, they say. I mean, surely in the hands of the police... Surely, you know, you put that in the hands of the police and they then go, right, we can sort that out straight away. We know who this person is. And you find them. He's hired eight bodyguards, about a £1,000 a day. You're paying for it. You're paying, unless he's paying privately, which I think is highly unlikely. A lot of people blasting uh, William. That's some bloke on The Voice. I know it says Will I Am. It's not his real name either. But apparently he sits there throughout the whole programme uh, tweeting and texting and doing things like that because he really couldn't care less about the programme. Why should he worry about it? Nobody else worries about it. It's a bit dreary. It's a bit boring. And it certainly doesn't uh, doesn't fulfil anything. It might might be called the voice, but that's about as far as it goes. Here's a picture of um, of a teacher. His name is Pietro Bosselli. He's 26. He lectures at University College London by day, but the rest of the time he's a top class male model. And when you see his picture in the paper today, you will realise why he is a top class male model. He looks like he's a bodybuilder, and um, a lot of people are saying. Core. This is what Sir looks like in, in the modern age. Apart from the fact he only looks about 18, he has one of those body, you know, with a six-pack. You know, those sickening people with a six-pack. The people who look at their pictures and you go, oh, God, why don't I look like that? Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be coming to you. I love the idea that one of the supermarkets has cut a fifth off their One Direction chocolate Easter egg. I quite like that. I think that's quite sweet, actually. I think that's a good selling point. <laughs> I didn't even know there was such a thing as a One Direction Easter egg. They've obviously... Yes, in Lidl, it's 79p. 79p. And you get a picture of, unfortunately, five of them. So, obviously, all the boxes were printed before... Mind you, you could always colour him out, couldn't you? you just sort of get a pencil and just sort of just put gone, which would be a lot easier, I would have thought. A Milky Bar... Easter egg is a pound. Cadbury's Dairy Milk is three pounds at Tesco. That's down from six pounds. You have to work out, and I'll tell you this now because we did a survey on LBC years ago. We worked out 
uh, the price of a chocolate Easter egg, and it was the most expensive way to buy chocolate. If you actually take away the packaging and you look at the amount of chocolate you get, measure it up against a bar of chocolate, Easter eggs is bad value. Very bad value. In the same way, I can tell you now officially, it is cheaper to eat smoked salmon than fish fingers. Because if you take away from the fish finger the coating around the outside and just measure the fish inside and look at what you pay for it, smoked salmon is cheaper. Okay, I'll just pass that on just as one of those things which is, you know, fact. And Easter eggs, definitely very, very expensive. So when they go, I mean, there's one here. There's a Thornton's Easter mega gift collection. And I think you get something like three, four, six, seven Easter eggs in a box of chocolates because Thorntons are desperately trying to sell as much chocolate as possible. That's £35 down from 55 But they're still making a huge profit. So you can imagine, you know, when they actually say on the Milky Bar egg, 173 175 down to a quid at Waitrose, then, you know, if they're still making a profit at a pound, they're making even more money when they were selling it last time around. But you take away the things and look how much chocolate you've got in there and you suddenly realise it's cheaper to, set, to give them a Milky Bar. Or to buy, you know, some One Direction chocolate or some Cadbury's chocolate. But, of course, we don't want to do that, do we? Because we like buying Easter eggs because they look... You know, I mean, it, it was the biggest thrill, as far as I can remember, when I was a child. You get your Easter eggs on Easter egg morning, and you might end up with about four, if you were lucky, four Easter eggs. And you'd be more interested in breaking the egg open because inside would either be chocolates in a specially cut-out kind of thing. Or failing that, if you were really lucky, it was a little bag which had Smarties in it. You know, that, that was how cool... We used to love things like that. A smarty Easter egg. Whoa! One of my favourites. One of my favourites. But, uh, as I say, not anymore, thank you very much indeed. It's still those Cadbury's eggs, though, didn't it? The uh, the ones with that gunk in the middle, where they actually try and um, sort of convince you that not really for Easter, they're, in fact, for just about any time of the uh, of the day or night. And so people like that fondant filling, don't they? Uh, back on Storm Alert last night, that's Britain. Better be, isn't it? Because uh, I didn't think it got that bad yesterday, unless it was bad in the rest of the country and I kind of missed it. Because I did go home and I did put my feet up and I did fall asleep. And then I did go out and get myself a cup of coffee and then I became lazy. I became terribly lazy yesterday. I thought it's the first time in ages that I've done nothing on a Sunday. It was the uh, Young Magician of the Year yesterday and uh, also Italia Conte were doing Oliver and so it was a fairly busy day all round and I know that in certain parts of the country they were a bit rain lashed but uh, now we seem to have gone back to normal but it is going to get bad again I'm afraid they've now said that you know we're going to good lord sorry I'm just only when it good lord there's a man here I thought I used to have big feet when I was little when I was 15 I had size 11 Wellingtons but there's a bloke here and his name is Carl Griffiths Carl Griffiths takes a size 21, a size 21, and he couldn't find his old size 18s, his feet would burst out of. So his feet are 14 and a half inches long, forced to sit on the bench. He was too big for his boots, quite literally. And then Adidas heard of his plight and they secretly made a pair especially for him. So he's got two pairs of size 21 uh, Kakari boots. Uh, Warburton said, as soon as the uh, the team at Adidas told me about the story, I bit their hand off to be involved, and so they, they've made them for him. A nice thing to do. It's given them some publicity, and he's got uh, he's got shoes in that he can he can fit in properly. Remember, I told you about the Elton John feud earlier, and it, it really it's it's degenerated into you know something really quite awful. And I've always said that if you're going to argue 
with either a sibling or your parents or friends or work colleague or whatever it is, somebody's got to end it because otherwise it drags on and it becomes very difficult. Jennifer Aniston and her mother, uh, Nancy, because she gave a tell-all interview about their relationship and later tried to capitalise on her daughter's success by writing an embarrassing book. So they fell out. Uh, The other one was the Nolan sisters, which was very public. The relationship between the Irish singing sisters, Colleen... Anne and Denise first broke down after Anne had a row with Colleen's husband, Ray. Things deteriorated further when Bernie, who died age 52, Maureen, Colleen and Linda were offered the Nolan's 30th anniversary comeback tour by promoters and Anne and Denise were excluded. Bernie's dying wish was for her sisters to be reunited. Last June, four of them flew to Florida to celebrate Maureen's 60th birthday, but uh, Colleen was unable to commit due to TV's Loose Women. She, so she admitted in her autobiography, published three months earlier, that while she made up with Anne at Bernie's funeral, the rift with Denise may never be healed. I believe she continues to resent the success I've worked hard to achieve away from the band. But you know how nasty Colleen can be, don't you? You know. Uh, Ollie Murs, 30, and his twin brother, Ben. I mean, uh, apparently before finding fame, Ollie was a recruitment consultant and close to his twin brother Ben, a mechanical engineer. Then Ollie refused to attend Ben's wedding. He'd been due to be best man as it clashed with his performance in the X Factor semi-final, so he never went. And to be honest with you, it went downhill after that. Now, I don't know. Not up to me to decide. I'm not in the family. But you'd have thought, actually, for your brother's wedding and you've got the X Factor. I mean, you know, somebody's got to give somewhere, isn't it? And unfortunately, it's uh, it was them and they've not spoken since. Mel B and her family, Madonna and her brothers, they all fall out, these people. And uh, as Elton has fallen out with his mum, who's 90, and it uh, shows no sign of getting back together again. You can only feel immense sadness. But as I've said before, it's got absolutely diddly squat to do with us. If they don't, uh, if, if they don't make it up, that's their business. It's got nothing to do with me. I couldn't, I couldn't really care less, to be honest with you. But I always think, if it's your mother, you really want to make up. At 90 years old, she might not be here for much longer. And you'd hate her to die, you know, without you having said to her, listen, I'm sorry about this, I'm sorry about that. But apparently they're both incredibly stubborn and uh, neither wants to back down. So you can imagine, can't you? We're kind of at, a, at an impasse situation. Uh, Zane's gone house... Hunting. This has appeared in the Metro today. We did this yesterday on the programme. It's a really naff house in Hertfordshire. Already, um, he's not achieving what he thought he was going to achieve, uh, which was he wanted to be an ordinary 22-year-old, you know, and to be out of the rat race. And since then, they've followed him just about everywhere. Mind you, he looks as miserable as sin. Is he going to move in with Perry? Uh, and would it be easy for him to meet uh, other girls? The girl in the Sunday papers who claimed that she'd had a, a fling with him. And then there was another girl coming out of a nightclub. And, oh, dear, it's just it's so awful, isn't it? You do feel a bit uh, a bit embarrassed and a, and a bit sorry for him because he's not going to achieve what he wants to uh, achieve, which is, I suppose, anonymity. He wants to have anonymity and he wants to just be an ordinary 22-year-old. But I don't think it's ever very likely that he's going to uh, be an ordinary 22-year-old. He's got 15 million quid. Oh, look, here's a picture of the publicity shy Beckham boys. They went out the other day on the red carpet. So Brooklyn, Romeo and Cruz were out there. And uh, they were posing for pictures because that's what the Beckham family do. They just they're a bit like the Von Trapps. They're getting up everybody's nose. And uh, unfortunately, they don't sing either. Not even Mummy. Mummy doesn't sing either. Uh, what else do we have in the papers? There was a story. There was a story I'm going to find it eventually if it kills me. But as with the case in a lot of these stories in the papers, you find them first time round and then they mysteriously vanish. It's like socks in a washing machine. 
You know, and you, you, you go to what you think, I'll put them all in. Well, where's it gone? Where has it vanished? There'll be a sock that's gone missing. Or a tight, or a sort of stocking or something. They just vanish. It's like the last teaspoon in the bowl, isn't it? You've done the washing up. You think it's all finished. Go to empty the bowl out. One teaspoon. You've already put your hand in there and whizzed it round a few times. Oh, I found him. This is uh, a chef called Chris Gamak. Chris Gamak was dismissed from the Amen Continental Cafe in Barnard Castle in County Durham when he was exposed on Facebook. He's been sacked for gross misconduct because he slated rival restaurants in fake... That's false TripAdvisor reviews. Two restaurants and a tea shop were targeted and given a one-star rating by Mr Gamak, who posed as Chris G. Darlington. The reviews have been removed. His ex-boss, Paul Smith, says he was disgusted. Because what you can do on TripAdvisor, it's obviously not that difficult, unless you get caught, uh, is people write um, a review. So they, they sort of, and it's, and it's fake. Most of the time it's fake. It's the same on, on Amazon. I got a couple of reviews for my book, which was hilarious, from somebody who quite clearly hadn't read it. And quite clearly knew nothing about it, but they're just being a bit stupid because they were simpletons. And uh, it didn't, it hadn't affected the sales in the slightest. In fact, if anything, it's boosted it, which I'm very grateful for. Did I mention either book? I've never mentioned it before on the programme, but I thought casually I'll chuck in the fact because we're obsessed, not just on this programme, but even Stig uh, the other day said to me, he said, um, he said it's going to be difficult during the election period, he said, because not everybody is interested in electioneering. He said there will, there will be those people... Who, d- who don't want to vote. And I've said, well, those people are the ones who drive me absolutely mad. Absolutely mad. I said, I've always said to everybody, vote. There's nothing worse than people who don't vote. Because if they don't vote, you can't complain about anything ever again. So I've always said, just vote. And he said, yes, he said, it's all right for you, he said, because you do a lot on celebrities. I said, well, most of it I take from your newspaper and all the other ones. I'm, I'm very fair with my coverage of, of celebrityism. And it is something that we've gone absolutely balmy on. In the world, everybody wants to be a celebrity. If you open up all the papers on the front of on the front of every single paper, there is a celebrity, a celebrity. Rita Ora cover up scandal. Abs Fab. They've got uh, Jamie Dornan and uh, Swinger dies at orgy. Everybody's a celebrity. David Cameron. Even politicians are celebrities. Angelina's children put the smile back on her face because she's a celebrity. On the front here, this, this little Perry who's apparently engaged to Zayn Malik. She's a celebrity. Everybody's a celebrity. In fact, to a certain extent, even the girlfriend of the killer pilot is now a celebrity. People would be interested in buying her story. And based on the, uh, on the strength of that, depending on which way she wants it to go, uh, she will then uh, you know, either start appearing on chat shows or game shows or whatever it is, because she becomes famous. Look at poor little Carol Danzig. You know, a sad creature at the best of times. Attention-seeking. You know, I love to do my selfies. Be great if she had looks. But, of course, not having looks doesn't matter. And she's signed up with an agent. For what? For what What talent does she have? She doesn't even take her own selfies. Because whenever you see her taking a picture of a selfie, somebody's taking a picture of her taking a picture of the selfie. So that's why. Even really, I suppose, Chris Gamak, the chef who's been sacked for gross misconduct, becomes, in certain people's eyes... A celebrity, because he's now known. He's in the papers. People who get arrested, they appear in court. They become celebrities. You know, people appear on the Jeremy Kyle show. They appear on the Jeremy Kyle show. They then start, uh, you know, writing about the fact that, you know, I can, I can do this, I can do that. And they start appearing on chat shows. The people on Gogglebox are celebrities. They shouldn't be, because they're just people. But they've learned how to play the game now. I said last week on the programme, you watch them, they are playing. Even to a certain extent, Anton Deck are now looking, as I said at the beginning of the show today, 
Yeah, nice to see Cheryl Spagbowl on there, but to be honest with you, she's only flogging a record. Professor Green, way out of his depth. Claire Balding, God knows what she was doing there, and Arge, I mean, back into rehab, I think, as quickly as possible. He looks mad as a fruitcake. And they're all on there, but Ant and Deck are slowing down a bit. Must be difficult. When you've got a reputation for bouncing around like Tigger, you've got to keep up, you know, that. You get to the age of 65, 70, and they're still having to bounce around. I mean, you can't see them retiring any time soon, can you? I can't. I think they're always going to be like that. But whether or not it, it works for them, I don't know. But everybody wants to be a celebrity. Loads of people want to be a celebrity. Uh, 84850, steve at And that's why my book is called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. And it deals with that culture. You know, what do you do? How, how do you become a celebrity? You know, where do you sell yourself to? We talked to Jonathan Shallot about how much money you can make. You'd be surprised how much money you can make in the course of a year. It's no good being too nice, either. We don't want nice celebrities. Nice celebrities don't last five minutes. There's got to be some edge. You've either got to be terminally stupid, like Joey Essex, uh, or incredibly beautiful, but just talk rubbish. It's no point in being a nice person. Nobody wants a nice person. It just uh, Nice doesn't sell anymore. There's got to be an edge. So if you go on the X Factor, best if you've got a criminal record, I think, or you've beaten up the cat. Or something like that. that. That's something that will get you coverage in the newspapers. And then you can then sell the story of how I've now turned my life around. That's how it works. All the advice is contained in my book. So you want to be a celebrity. It's on sale at Foils or you can buy it on Amazon as well. Who said things didn't pay? 14 to 6. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 10 to 6. It's Monday, the 30th of March. Uh, Warren's off to Egypt today. We're a bit the weather's an awful lot better well, it's going to be here because we've had the rain. It was miserable, apparently, uh, according to Andy. Very strong winds in Swindon. 100 mile an hour and I was locked out of the house. Thankfully, good friends who provided Sunday dinner. Oh, well, you're the person who turns up on the door and goes, uh, oh, I've been locked out of the house. And they go, oh, just about to have lunch. <laughs> Always works, doesn't it? Every single time. Although, uh, Ron says something. That, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm with him on this one. Uh, because I come into town on the 316 every day and go back on the... Well, I don't go back on the 316. He said, workers have managed to build a road to the German wing's crash site within a week in the remote Alps, yet we're still wondering when they'll finish whatever they're doing at Chiswick Bridge a year after they started. Oh, if only we knew. I can only assume the people working on it must be blind and they're trying to work out what to do. They've seriously... I mean, first of all, they, they were faffing around with it and they put up this and put up that... And um, I don't know whether they've replaced the bridge or what they've done with it. And now they're replacing all the stones over it. You're right. This has gone on for a year. Mind you, not half as incompetent as the buffoons putting in the, the new extra-wide pavements for Rugby World Cup in Twickenham. All our pavements have doubled in size, which is fantastic. So far, two of these buffoons have managed to, uh, to break off the, uh, the water mains. So we had a geezer running a short while ago, which ran about 50 foot in the air, which flooded no end of businesses. They're complete idiots. And, uh, and then in Church Street, they managed to flood Church Street quite successfully. You've never seen such a bunch of idiots in your life. The pavements are so filthy. These are brand new pavements. They're so filthy and dirty now because they're covered in oil and chewing gum and everything. Why can't they buy it? Because they were cutting corners. They were cutting corners. But the Chiswick Bridge one, Ron, is always the one that amazes me. What are they doing there? Perhaps it's some job for life. I can't see they're actually doing it because, to be honest with you, it's taken them a year. They can build a road in the Alps. They had a memorial up to the people who died within, it seemed like, seconds to me. You now look at it and they've got a, a, a memorial thing that's gone up there. Here, you have to wait. Is it a year if somebody's buried? You have to wait to, uh, to actually put the thing there because they've got to wait for the ground to settle. Unbelievable. 
unbelievable, isn't it? It's, you know, it is unbelievable. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, we shall weave everything in on the programme. This We don't miss anything out. We weave them all in. That, that, uh, that story about the people who didn't talk. Olivia de Havilland says Steve and her famous actress sister, they didn't speak for 50 years. It does happen, doesn't it? It does happen where people don't speak uh, to each other and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. It's only because uh, you can't find the first person to uh, to say sorry and apologise. Not working this morning, says Mark. But uh, son to doctors. Oh, he says he's got a lump on the back of his head. Let's hope it's another brain. Couldn't be that lucky, could we, really? Mind you, unless you've got an appointment. Have you got appointments? We have an appointment system in our doctors, and it works fantastically well. I realise that my doctor is quite unique compared to everybody else's. Mine is, mine is absolutely brilliant. And um, Helen says a complaint from a visitor to the museum where I work was, why aren't my children allowed to climb all over the vintage vehicles? Most are on loan to the museum. Oh, dear. You always get that, don't you? The trouble is, it depends what sort of museum it is. Sometimes they're allowed to clamber over things. If you go to the um, the Science Museum at the back, they've got, you know, half planes you can sit in and stuff like that. And, uh, and if you go to the British Transport Museum in Covent Garden, you can sit on a double-decker bus, you can sit behind the... Uh, oh, sorry. You can sit behind the, uh, the wheel of the bus and things like that. You know, that, that's quite good. You can't do it in some of the other things because they are vintage and people, people actually sort of end up destroying things just by, just by climbing all over them. Um, Steve, if Zane got his wish and everybody left him alone with no pictures in the papers, the girls may stop flocking to him as they'll not get fame and press coverage. Do you remember, I don't know if you ever remember, but there was a fantastic story years ago and it was Bross. And Bross were at the height of their fame. Wherever they went, yeah, Bross, because we love you. And they turned up on all the TV shows and uh, the fans turned out and, you know, they were playing pop stars and it was, it was working brilliantly. But they upset the press. They said something about the press in one of their interviews and the press decided to teach them a lesson. So the boys went out one night and they went to Langham's and all the photographers were outside Langham's and all the other places. And the moment they, they saw the Bross boys, they turned their back on them. And of course, the boys weren't used to having that. And they had to eat humble pie and go up and say, oh, really, really sorry, guys, really, really sorry. They had to eat humble pie. Because up until that point, they were not photographing you, go in there. And, of course, they didn't like it because they thrived on, on the publicity. It's, 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 it's a fire that you have to fan to keep them going. You know, and I'm as guilty as the next person through mentioning it because they feature in the papers. But because we do the papers on the programme, you have to feature people. And also, and we laugh at them. We do laugh at most of them because we can see through it. You know, if you're intelligent, you can see through it. If you're not intelligent, you won't see through it at all. Weather for today. Weather for today. Here we go. Bright, chilly start. Isolated showers dying out. Cloud will increase towards midday and then occasionally heavy... Oh, not more heavy rain again. 11 degrees centigrade tonight. Windy with gales on the coast and outbreaks of heavy, showery rain. Mild at first, but turning cooler. Will I ever get the car washed? Will it ever happen? And uh, clear spells developing later, and then tomorrow, occasional showers, bright or sunny spells between them, becoming increasingly cold later with strong to gale-force gusty winds. And that's the way it looks for today. Which gives you a rough idea just how bad this week's going to be, because it's not going to get any better, I'm afraid. It's going to get uh, worse and then it'll get a little bit chillier. But do take an umbrella or take a Mac or do take something. Do take something. Uh, 840steve.lbc.co.uk. Nick says, my brother hasn't spoken to me in 27 years. Suits me down to the ground. It's funny, isn't it? It it depends what people fall out about. If it's something... Because sometimes people say, why do you not talk to somebody? And you go, I can't remember. 
They go, can you not remember what it was about? And you go, no, I've got no idea at all. No, I, I cannot remember. It was it was now sealed in the mists of time, I'm afraid. Uh, the other stories that's making the, uh, the paper for today, it's uh, Jamie Oliver sticking his knife into Gordon Ramsay, because apparently Gordon Ramsay sold three million books. Jamie Oliver claims to have sold 37 million. And uh, Jamie's obviously uh, looking for publicity for some campaign to stop children getting obese which is lovely. Uh, Gordon Ramsay said all he does is stick his hands in food and then stick it in the oven, then take it out three hours later and it's cooked. So he doesn't really hold out much hope there. I remember I did one of the first interviews with Jamie Oliver when he was at the River Cafe and he came in and Victor Lewis Smith, much missed as a, as a TV critic because he hit the nail on the head, had written a review about Jamie Oliver and Jamie Oliver came in and I said that uh, Victor Lewis Smith had written this fantastic article. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, he absolutely loves you. Absolutely loves you to pieces. And then Jamie Oliver went from River Cafe to mega stardom quite quickly. Quite quickly. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. The, the problem they're having over with this German flight is trying to find the second flight box recorder because the ground is still moving and it's it's quite uh, transient, the ground up there. And because it's all little rocks and things like that, once you move on to it, they have to be suspended over it to try and pick off things. But there's not one complete body. The whole thing is just, it's just pieces and they're having to put it all back together again. It's just absolutely tragic. Uh, other stories from the papers will run through the other side of the news this morning, including the fact that if you live in um, Kent, the, uh, the French are looking to, uh, to move their uh, migrant camps there. Not the kind of thing you want at all. Not the kind of thing you want. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And also, uh, Poldark lets slip the secret of his sexy physique. What do you think it is? It's something fairly straightforward. Warren will know this one. Baby oil. Apparently, if you put baby oil on your body, if you're a man, it defines your um, your muscles. Not in my case. Not in my case. But it, in, in an awful lot of uh, people's cases, it defines your muscles. And so it makes you look a little bit more muscly. So there you go. Baby oil. That's the, that's the, that's the way forward. I don't think I can really comment about it. I'm not really fit for purpose, I'm afraid, when it comes to things like that. Uh, other stories that we'll be looking at a little bit later on today. Uh, Rita at the BBC, the cover-up scandal. It's absolutely outrageous uh, because her boobs have been banned. They've decided they're too rough for television and too raunchy and they're not, they're not having it at all. And the Corrie bosses, this is a really bizarre one, but very apropos for my business, they have ditched a ban on stars doing lucrative voiceovers after a mutiny. Cast members were in uproar after one of the soap's biggest names, Katie Kavanagh, flouted the rules and lent her tones to ads for Iceland and BBC iPlayer. Katie, who quit last month as bubbly Julie Carp, was given a dressing down by Chiefs, but the showdown marked a breaking point for furious co-stars who can make up to, they say, 50,000 an ad. No, they can't. Voice that they don't get anywhere near fifty thousand an ad. Listen, an average voiceover would be paid pff, three five hundred pounds. I promise you, nobody's ever got fifty thousand pound for doing a voiceover on an ad. They really haven't. Ask Enritel, the biggest voiceover king in the business. He'll tell you. God, if it paid money like that, you know that fifty thousand ad, you need to do about ten a year. No chance. No chance at all. What a load of old hogwash. But the sun would know better. Still to come on the programme, the killer co-pilot was apparently having a baby with his love-rift girlfriend. She was just about to leave him, but she said she's pregnant. Feeding pigeons could become a criminal offence. That's good news. 
Uh, Zoella accused over the sugar adverts. Does the BBC boss, the DG, really need bodyguards after one death threat? Driving into a retail park after 6pm is now classed as illegal. No skateboards, no roller skates, no bicycles, no nothing at all. Cheryl Fernandez has failed to make the top 100 with her new single. Can anybody name it? No, I couldn't either. The four-year-old who went shopping at 3am in America and uh, the tribute to the murdered hero, Lee Rigby, is unveiled. It's LBC, I'm Steve Allen, that and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Monday morning. It's the 30th of uh, March as we head uh, onwards and upwards into Easter. And, of course, they're all going to be out today because today is the day that David Cameron and Nick Clegg take a little trip to visit Her Majesty the Queen, which kicks off the start of the general election campaign. With Nick Ferrari this morning, Michael Fallon, Paddy Ashdown, Chukka Amuna and Paul Nuttall. And uh, they'll be in kicking off the start of the general election campaign, which we will be covering on LBC, as you can imagine. Uh, and we have a new studio to move into from next week, which is even more exciting. Not sure I can uh, take this much excitement. We take all your texts and emails, because it's Steve Allen's early breakfast, and we take a look at the front pages in a second. It's also the story about the killer co-pilot having a baby with his loved Rift girlfriend. Apparently they were living together, but she decided she didn't want to be with him anymore, and, uh, and now she's announced, or Bilt magazine in Germany have announced, that she's pregnant. So whether they've got that from her or whether it's come from somebody else, I do not know. But uh, it's a bizarre story. Uh, driving into a retail park after 6pm is now illegal because that's what we want to do, isn't it? We like to uh, we like to drive into retail parks and people go in there and they learn to drive and they've got L plates on and things like that. Whereas, in fact, they shouldn't be there. I was in, when was I in the other day? Oh, a Costco car park down in Farnborough. And there was a learner driver going around their car park. They're not supposed to be doing that. It's not for, the, not for that at all. Uh, Zoella, accused over the sugar adverts. Unless you're aged um, under 25, you probably will not know who Zoella is. She's somebody who is on YouTube. She's gone viral. And uh, now they've worked out that they can put adverts on her on her uh, profile. And it gets out to even more people. But it's just about anything she'll put on there. She's not particularly fussy. Uh, at one time, the Antiques Roadshow was a pleasure to watch. Um, and then the replacement of Michael Aspel with Fiona Bruce has gradually ruined the whole show. In the beginning, Miss Bruce replaced Aspel as presenter, and slowly she's adopted a more prominent position. Um, and well, I liked Michael Aspel doing it. I have to be honest, there was something nice about Michael Aspel. It was something comforting. He was, uh, he was a very good presenter, one of those sort of presenters. But even he would admit now that he doesn't want to do it. Elton John, by the way, is 68 he announced in, in Vegas that he's 68 and he's been happily married for 20-plus years and uh, they've got two children, so he's not particularly bothered about what his mother says about anything because she's done a double-page interview in one of the papers with David Wigg, who's a show business writer. And so now Elton John's mum has become famous and she's become famous for all the wrong reasons, the reason being she doesn't talk to Elton, he doesn't talk to her, he pays all her bills... So that bit is done, but I should imagine it just probably goes through the uh, the company and she's living in a house and he just picks up the bills for her because that's what you would do and he can obviously afford to do it. It's very interesting though, isn't it? That when people fall out, they just they, they fall out big time and I should imagine falling out with Elton, you know, would, would be the thing that would not be top of your list. A quarter of children, a quarter, are so confused about fish they think Haddock is a Premier League footballer. 
That's what they think. They think Haddock is a Premier League footballer. And one in ten even think the fish they eat is grown in the supermarket or caught in a garden pond. This apparently is researched by Asda, highlighting misconceptions and misunderstandings among... This isn't highlighting anything. This is highlighting how thick some people are. Misunderstandings and misconceptions. They think that Haddock is a Premier League footballer and that fish they eat is grown in the supermarket. These are thick people. It's got nothing to do with a misconception. A third of youngsters didn't recognise a cooked salmon fillet. Some thought it was a pork chop. They've really asked some... De- I mean, this isn't doing Asda any favours here at all. 44% didn't know what sea bass was. One in ten say they hate touching raw fish, especially if it's whole with the head on. And um, they're obviously trying to get you to eat fish here, judging by this survey. They've said here, uh, fish is nowhere to be seen on the list of dishes we think are easiest to cook. And yet you can cook fish in the uh, in the dishwasher. You really can. Uh, most people think, you know, chicken, potatoes, vegetables and rice... But, in fact, fish is very easy to cook. You can do all sorts. You can poach salmon. You can have sea bass. You can, you can do all sorts of things. Mind you, finding a fish shop is a difficult thing, isn't it, in this day and age? We have one in Twickenham, Sandy's. And it's a rarity. It's a rarity, I promise you. Not everybody has, uh, has a, a fish shop, which is uh, fresh fish every day, because you tend to go to the supermarkets. Luckily, you don't in Twickenham, because we're all, we're all sorted out there. We're actually very healthy. Well, I'm not. I'm probably the, the least healthy person you'll ever find. But I, I do my best. I do my best. I'd like to eat more fish. I can eat salmon. I've eat, I'm, I do have smoked salmon in the fridge at the moment. But it's thinly sliced smoked salmon. <laughs> it's as good as it gets, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Lynn uh, says, your, your best friend Katie Hopkins is in trouble again. And her Twitter account may be taken out. She should be sacked from the column. Well, it won't happen, Lynn, will it? It's controversial. It's controversial. We're in, a, we're in a free country and, you know, people can say just about what they like about people nowadays. Uh, the Twitter account will not be taken down. Uh, again, that's, they've really got to prove that that's caused major troubles. And, uh, and she won't be sacked from the column. Who else have they got? She's, she's doing ten times the business that Katie Price was doing. Ten times the business. Uh, 84850. Uh, Cheryl's new song is called Failed to Make It, says George. Thank you for that. It's, I, I didn't even make the top 100, did it? I felt a bit sorry for her because she hasn't had much publicity because the X Factor isn't there. What's the point of releasing a single when you don't have a programme to actually release it onto? And that's the only reason that her records ever sell because she's managed to get coverage on the television. And with this one, I think there's been no coverage. Just an appearance on Anton Deck is not going to do it at all. I'm halfway through the book that the Loose Women sent me, which is, uh, which is very exciting. I don't often... I'm not really into sort of book clubs... I'm not really into book clubs, but Martin Frizzell sent me the uh, the book, which is very nice indeed. So I'm very happy about that one. That's the one that Colleen Nolan picked. And so it's the the first one. It's actually got words in it. It's not just colouring or anything like that. It's, it's really got words and uh, and I'm very grateful. So they're off, they're off for their summer break for a couple of weeks. And I'm sure they'll all come back bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, and very much refreshed. Uh, What is Clarkson's demand? He was sacked for punching the TV producer, who is not pressing charges, as you now know. But then we knew that to start with. We knew that the producer would never, ever press charges. Why? Because he's a producer. He might want to work with him at some point in the future. But uh, Clarkson and Richard Hammond and James May on the Top Gear Arena shows had a list of, um, I hate to call it demands. Let's just call it a wish list for the green room. So they have Verve Clicquot Champagne, Red Wine Cloudy Bay Pinot Noir, White Wine Cloudy Bay Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, the rosé is Chateau Lube. 
They have Peroni beer, Bombay, Bombay Sapphire gin, if only for the bottle, I should imagine. Tonic water, lemons and ice. They also want uh, an iPod docking station, plus remote, DVD player, DVDs and connection cables, two decks of cards, Scrabble, Pictionary, green plants. It gets worse, doesn't it? Nice rubbish bins, the ones that you put in your home. Uh, a Nespresso coffee machine, white porcelain mugs, black tea mugs, steak knives, ashtrays, because I think Clarkson smokes. In fact, actually, I think two of them smoke. Or is it three? I can't remember. They also want cigarettes, Marlboro lights, Camel lights, Marlboro menthol. They want a toaster, a kettle, orange bean bags, table linen, hair wax, shower gel, hand soap and near to a McDonald's. And what do I ask for? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm thinking of increasing the Steve Allen list. At the moment, it comprises of two satsumas and a cup of coffee and maybe some, some cold water, and that's about it. If I'd known that I could get away with white porcelain mugs and stuff like that, believe you me, I would have pushed it. I would have pushed it. Um, if you're getting a poor phone signal on your phone this morning, blame trees. Tall trees, apparently, are the, uh, are the sort of the backwards bit. Two decades' worth of growth means that the trees now dwarf the 45-foot masts, and 10,000 of the mobile phone masts are suffering... Uh, uh, intermittent coverage because they're blocked by trees, many of which were planted in the operators to obscure the ugly mass. So now they've covered them so much that uh, you're not getting the signal. I thought in some of them, one of them's been painted to look like a tree. They brought somebody in and they painted it brown and with little bits of green on it, and it sort of disappears into the environment. I don't have a problem, actually, with phone masks. As long as they're not anywhere near me, I don't really, uh, don't really mind about it. But that's what it is now. It's the trees that have got carried away. There's also a nice picture of Prince Charles smiling with, with Camilla, who's looking more like the Queen Mother every day. And uh, they were out in the Lamb National. These are, these are lambs who've got coats on, and, and they called them uh, mint sauce. Well, that's cruel. That's cruel to call a lamb mint sauce. Mind you, a friend of mine, David, who was my producer many, many years ago, his uh, parents have a farm in Kent, and uh, if the lambs got abandoned... They would bring them indoors and they would put them on a tray and keep them under the arga to keep them warm. And sometimes, you know, if they were feeling a bit cruel, they'd put a bit of mint on the tray with them just to remind them of, the, of what the end was likely to be. How cruel was that? Quarter past... Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning, the 30th of March. We've got... Well, we're 30 days. Uh, April, yeah, we've got another day, haven't we? We've got 31st. And then we're into April. And uh, then they start the campaign trail. But in fact, it starts today on LBC with Nick Ferrari for breakfast just after the news at seven. As Mr Cameron and Mr Clegg go off to uh, to meet the Queen and to tell her of their intentions, uh, LBC's breakfast show this morning will have uh, stars from all parties on the uh, the studio desk. Well, actually not on it, perhaps sitting in chairs. Who knows, actually? I don't know where I was going with that one. But uh, that'll be starting today on uh, LBC. Let's have a look at the front pages before we finish the programme for this morning. Uh, the Daily Mail... This is the story that we were just hearing on the news a minute ago about your pension secret sold to con men for five pence. It's a Daily Mail investigation of highly sensitive details of the pension pots of millions being sold for as little as 5p and ending up in the hands of criminals. Uh, Because we all have, well, I'm assuming we all have pensions, or if you haven't, then you certainly should have something. Uh, What happens here is how the private financial information on you is being passed on by firms without your knowledge And the valuable data is then repeatedly sold on, ending up in the hands of a fraudster and cold-calling firms. And that's how they get details about you. And people, it's amazing how many people still hand over all sorts of information, even on the streets. 
even on the streets. I've often said, you know, when the uh, when the uh, the people on the street, the chuggers, who come up to you, hello, have you got two minutes to talk about babies in, you know, Zimbabwe or something like that, swimming openly in the sea? And they'll come up with all sorts of things. And I've always said to you before, don't ever give to these people. Don't ever give to them. Because if you if you took away all the money that they were earning for doing it, the charity could benefit further. But they choose to do it this way, and I don't like it. And what they do is they end up taking your details. Why you? I've seen people standing there with their credit cards handing over details to a perfect stranger on the streets. To somebody you've never seen. You know, it's like people standing outside supermarkets and they've got a, a thing around their neck and they're holding a bucket. You can buy this stuff on eBay. It's not difficult to get hold of. You can make up fake ID on eBay. You could stand there. I wonder how much you could collect. Actually, I'm very surprised that one of the papers hasn't done a thing. I think that'd be a really good thing to do. To actually go online, make up some, some fake ID, put a hologram on it. Very easy to do online. Very easy to do. And then stand on the street with some buckets. Get some pretty girls to do it or whatever, you know, collecting for, you know, gay babies against the whale or something. And it doesn't matter what it is. And just see how much money you could collect in the course of a day. I bet they'd be horrified because there are people out there who are collecting fraudulently. And people, when they come out of a pub, they put some money in the bucket, they do this. And somebody dressed as a rhino the other day. In Richmond. And I looked at him and I thought, I don't know, are you genuine or are you not genuine? Somebody dressed as a panda. What do you think? Are you genuine or are you not genuine? It's very difficult to tell when they're on the street. But people handing over credit card details to chuggers. People you've never met before, you're never going to see again. And you've handed over your details to them. As if they're, they're licensed or something like that. As opposed to just somebody who's collecting for a particular charity. All very worrying. All very worrying. So uh, the Daily, perhaps the Daily Mail might like to try that one. They might like to try it. Daily Mirror on the front page. They've got the the Dando files, the blunder uh, that the police failed to quiz 100 suspects because they wanted to know more about it. They've never found anybody. And uh, she was shot dead years ago. Also, the girlfriend of the killer co-pilot, Andreas Lubitz, is carrying his child. Catherine Goldback was about to dump him because of his disturbing behaviour. She says he was a control freak, but yet she got pregnant by him. So the story goes in uh, one of the German magazines, Built. Uh, the Daily Star today, I'm having killer pilots, baby. Story we just talked about a moment ago. Uh, the tribute to murdered hero, Lee Rigby, and his four-year-old son, Jack, helped unveil a tribute to him yesterday. Uh, the probe on the, the Clarkson kill threat. This is an email that supposedly has come to the Director-General of the BBC, uh, reputedly from abroad. Why they don't know that by now, I don't know. But uh, they say that it's come from overseas, and uh, so he's equipped himself with bodyguards. I would think, actually, easier to get the police involved and to go overseas, find this person, and have them arrested. Easy. Can't, can't be that difficult to do nowadays. You can normally find people very, very quickly. Uh, Cheryl uh, Fernandez-Vasini's new single, Failed. Failed miserably. It's, uh, it's revealed only human didn't make the cut, didn't even make the top 100. I think it's over, Cheryl, isn't it? I mean, to be honest, you know, it's nice to have had a go at it, but I don't think anybody really bothered, did they? Jamie Oliver claims that Gordon Ramsay is jealous of his success. The Naked Chef says that the fiery Scott is miffed by his whopping book sales. Nothing worse than a show-off, Jamie. Stop it, for goodness sake. Uh, Essex boy Jamie has sold more than 37 million copies, uh, compared to the kitchen nightmare host 3 million. Jamie says, Gordon will do anything to try and take the mickey out of me because he's quite jealous and I can't quite work out why I do what I do and why he can't do that. I think that really annoys him. Uh, Jamie, of course, was trying to get some attention 
to a global petition calling for school children to get better food education. Well, they've got to do it on a budget, haven't they, really? Picture of Perry. She apparently is the fiancée of little Zayn Malik, who's looking for a house in Hertfordshire. Last thing you need, isn't it? If you live in Hertfordshire, you'd be looking at the house that they were looking at yesterday going, oh, God, it's near us. Uh, according to The Sun this morning, Rita, BBC cover-up scandal. Uh, they don't want too many, you know, on display, thank you. And also Fifty Shades Hunk, Jamie Dorman. They're looking today at um, at all the six-packs which are on offer. And there seem to be lots of them. Swinger dies at 007 Orgy. Long time since we've had a story like that in the paper. This is somebody who drowned in a pool as he frolicked with a stranger at a James Bond-themed sex party. In Radlett, if you please, ladies and gentlemen. The little sleepy hamlet of Radlett. Good Lord, the Costco, they will never be the same again. And according to uh, the paper today, households will pay £14.50 a week more in taxes under Labour. David Cameron will warn voters today. This is where it starts in earnest. It's going to be, you're going to be hearing lots of things from all the politicians. What you've got to do, with the help of uh, all the media people, is try and dissect, you know, the good from the bad and the truth from the non-truths. You're doing it wrong, says John. You're the one who's supposed to take stuff in for everyone else. You're a super celeb. No, I'm not. I say in my book, I have never, you know, wanted to be a celebrity. I am not a celebrity. It's as simple as that. I'm just, I'm just not. Uh, Cheryl got plenty of publicity for the single on Graham Norton's show the other week, but no amount of publicity, says Paul in Manchester, but will shift copies if it's no good in the first place. Yes, well, that's obviously the way forward, isn't it? Or backwards for her. He says, as for trees and signals, we live opposite a park, and before we went digital, we had to have several boosters on aerials, even to get a decent TV signal, and still suffer dropout on Wi-Fi and phone even now. My brother's in a dip, in a dip in Southampton. Mind you, I think most of Southampton's a bit of a dip. And uh, he doesn't get a phone signal at all. It's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. You think in this day and age they could manage to uh, to sort it uh, it out? Uh, very good in conversation the other day with George Benson, says Sean. Yes, it was a good one. It's available to download if you go to the LBC website, where you can download everything. Uh, from as little as £2 a month, you can download every In Conversation, every Nick Ferrari programme, every Ian Dale programme, just about everything is downloadable. And you get to keep it. It doesn't disappear at the end of your uh, of your purchase. Plus, I have a free podcast for you up every day, which will be up very, very shortly. But if you go to the LBC website, LBC. .co.uk. There's an LBC app and you can download that for free or there's TuneIn Radio as well and uh, that will send you the free podcast every day, so well worth doing. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Let's hope this weather doesn't get that bad. I have a sneaking feeling we're going to sort of possibly get a little bit wet today, so uh, make sure you're tuned to Nick Ferrari and the team from 7 o'clock.